get it going. It's time to get up. That will do it as the Winnipeg Jets come into Vancouver. Connor Hellebuck gives up one goal in two games. Winnipeg snags all four points, and the Jets take it 5-1 to one tonight at Rogers Arena. These guys are here to break it all down. Does it sting? Yeah, a little bit. That's why it should, though. That's why we play the games, because they matter. You feel great when you win, and when you lose, they're supposed to hurt. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. A great opportunity squandered? Absolutely. A crushing blow? Yes. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. That pretty much says it all, doesn't it, everybody? Yeah, opportunity squandered, a crushing blow. Let me tell you, on this Thursday, March 21st, at least it's going to be sunny out. It's that time of year. It's spring. It's sunny out. Maybe that will get us through it. Good morning to you, Vancouver. I'm Perry Solkowski. James Sabalski getting away from it for a couple of days. Caroline Frolip joining us on this day. Good morning, Caroline. Well, good morning, Perry. Yeah, we will do our best to bring some sunshine to everybody. You've got it on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. This is the starting lineup. You can hear us, of course, right here on Sportsnet 650. Also hear us on HD 96.93. Man, uh, Caroline, we appreciate you jumping in because you and I will navigate positivity all day long. Canucks in a song, of course. How do you wrap up? I mean, you can almost go Canucks in a song wrapping up this first half of the season, well, three quarters of the season as they get to a break. Texas at 650-650. How do you put into words what you saw last night? And, Caroline, as we get into it, we'll get into the postgame comments a little bit. Uh, we'll get into is there any positivity with this team left. David Amber will join us at 7 o'clock as we, we deal with what's going in what has been a crazy week uh, in the NHL. David, of course, from Hockey Night in Canada. Ian McIntyre working late as always. On both the TV and the digital side will join us at 8 o'clock to break things down. What will we see now as Jim Benning wanted to wait? Well, Jim, you've got some work to do. We'll get into that side. Who's he selling? Is he selling? And Barkley Parnetta going to do something that he hasn't done in about a year. Watch his hockey team play tomorrow night as the Vancouver Giants GM joins us. Caroline, you have your show on Thursday. you got to work tonight as well? No, you don't. No, I got tonight off, but uh, I would have done it. I'm ready. LFG to quote Tom Brady. Let's do this. Well, and here's the one thing that I'm sure as the text line's already going, we will see the negativity that is here. I gave no chance to the Vancouver Canucks last night. I just thought, hey, I I don't know if we're going to see Bohorva. I don't know if we're going to see Sutter. They are depleted. They are tired. The finish line is there. Now, they needed to win one against the Jets, and I watched that effort last night. I'll give them credit. These guys at least worked hard. Five on five, they were the better team. Couldn't score. Not their fault. I'll give them that. But they've run out of time, and they're not going to play 700 hockey as they go on in. But at least they had more fight than a Calgary Flames team did. And I just wonder, and and people text me if I'm wrong, if it's an 82 game, and I know it's if and buts, I think this team makes the playoffs if they had 82 games in front of them. Where they blew it, and we will pay the price because they'll run out of games, is the immaturity and the lack of discipline they needed to show when there was no coach to hug them, no team to say, here's what you have to do, and they can't get back those first six weeks of the season, and that will be their demise. Agreed? 
Agreed. They they just it will be a case of, well, we tried hard, but we just ran out of time. But, you know, trying hard, you know, moral victories. How many more words can we say? How many more words can we use to say moral victories? They tried really hard. I mean, the fan base is getting fed up. (laughs) They have a right to be. And the issue last night. Stupid. Like you can't take you can't take too too many men on the ice penalties and think you were going to get away with it. And the problem was, that's, that's in the player. I, I don't have a problem with your compete and your work ethic, but you have to be smarter. And I know there's a lot of people going, it's not necessarily on the player, Perry. That's on a coaching staff that's got to make sure everybody's aware as to what's happening. It was the key point last night, and it's something that Travis Green addressed because when you're going, all right, you played well, don't give me the moral victories, Talk about the issues. You guys lost this game because you were in the penalty box because you made some stupid mistakes. Coach, what was the reason behind those too many men penalties? Here's what he had to say. The first one, are we got a couple D that are trying to get off the ice, and I think we just got to get that puck in, especially with the long change. And the second one was just a bad change. We got a young guy jumping on the ice a little early and probably a time where a guy should, didn't really need to come to the bench. And... Uh, Unfortunately, they scored on both. Caroline, that's Zach McEwen, who is being anxious, you know, getting more ice time than he had in the last three games. And, you know, I'm not going to pin it on Jake Bertanen, who hit a post, but on that shift, Jake Bertanen's barely on the ice. They're having a good shift, and he's the one who goes, well, I'll probably bail now. Uh, those mistakes come back to haunt him, and a lot of people texting, those mistakes got to be in the coaching staff too. That, that's just, that can't happen. You're not that good to make those mistakes and to be able to overcome it. I don't think anybody is that good to make that many mistakes. I mean, the Canucks lead the North Division in bench minors. Come on, guys. This is, isn't it Hockey 101? And there's no well, one to blame. Like, you can't blame the player. You can't just blame the coach. It's everybody. It's a, it's a collective, so to speak. It's just, it was just so depressing and demoralizing. I found myself physically just going, oh, with every single one of them. It's like, come on, guys. You should know better. But, I mean, in the heat of the moment, of course, everyone should know better. But it was just so deflating. But I don't think anyone is specifically to blame. I think it was a collective. And I think it was just a series of more boneheaded moves by the Vancouver Canucks. My question is, if you have an IQ test for your collective hockey teams, I question sometime what the score would be for the Vancouver Canucks because you use the term boneheaded. Um, you know, you saw Travis Green a couple of weeks ago when he's calling a practice. What did he write down on the board? Move your feet. It seems like they are simple messages, messages that are foundational messages that hockey players get at a young age, and then you forget in the course of competition. And the mistakes that you said they made, yeah, that's, that's on a player that maybe you're too anxious, but that's being a pro too. Understanding the game and not getting overzealous and making those big mistakes. You can go back, you know, the giveaways have slowly dissipated from what they started with in the beginning. It's just, you go, okay, how, how do you make that play? I've been on JT Miller, and JT Miller didn't give the puck away that much in his own end yesterday. He was better. But, you know, Quinn Hughes still does some things where you go, Man, you should be smarter than that. Are they trying to do too much? That's the problem with this hockey team and what they've done. Travis Green, you know, you, you know, and if you, you watch the post game and people are allowed to comment, he's going he's gonna to come up with, you know, that's a good team over there. 
Here was his overall thoughts, though, on how his team played. And listen, he wasn't that disappointed with the result, of course. But he actually thought they played well five on five. Well, I thought five on five, we did a lot of good things. Um, obviously, got to find a way to score a goal. Uh, I didn't like the two penalties that we took for too many men, and I didn't like our penalty kill. And uh, that was probably the difference in the game. It's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, what more can you say? You just kind of nod and go, yep, okay, now what? Now, Perry, I want to go back a couple seconds to what you just said. Miller didn't give the puck away that much. And, yeah, we're, and, yeah. and, and we're happy about that. Oh, he didn't do it that much. So is that where we are, where we're just kind of looking for a little victories? Okay, well, they lost 5-1. to one. At least it wasn't 10-1. to one. Is that where we are at the point of the season, though? Well, and, and that's where the bar was. We've talked yeah. about it a lot on this show. Perry Silkowski, Carolyn Froelich starting lineup this morning. And, and it was a, a statement that that caught James and I by surprise that occurred a couple months before the season started from someone in the Canucks organization, Chris Higgins. And he said, these guys are going to have to prove they weren't a fraud. You know, I talked mm-hmm. yesterday about the Dallas Stars for being Stanley Cup finalists to see they've only got 10 wins right now. And, and you go, okay, well, hang on. Did they just get onto that ultimate role in the bubble? And then you go, all right, well, we know exactly what the Vancouver Canucks did. They felt they could do no wrong together. They were loving life in the bubble, mentally in a great spot. But now that the time comes and you change and, and they came in and I would say JT Miller's one of those guys you expected so much from him and he wasn't there for you for the first six weeks and then got better. Still made some mistakes. Travis Hamannick's been good, but it took him, you know, two months to get rolling. So I, I honestly think that this team would be a playoff team if there were 82 games, but there's not 82 games left. What's left is for the GM to make some decisions and go, what am I doing? But, but who is he selling? What difference do you think can be made to this hockey team by Jim Benning rolling up his sleeves? He's not coming up with any kind of a blockbuster. He'll ask if people want Sutter. He'll go to Alex Edler and say, listen, will, will you move your, your no trade and we'll move you and we'll get a piece. Edler doesn't have to do that. Like, honestly, is he going to make a difference? Here's what Bo Horvat had to say last night because the reality is they focus as players on the game. But the real, the business world of the NHL is right in front of their face where they've got to move some bodies almost to appease the fans. Here's Bo Horvat on, do you think you're going to be sellers now? For me, I'm just trying to focus on, you know, the, the team that we have. Uh, you know, that's not obviously anybody in the room's job to uh, to figure out what's going to happen. But we want to win with this group that we have here. We have a great group of guys. We have, you know, guys that want to win here. And, and um, you know, I feel like we've, we've been playing really good hockey as of late. It's out of our hands on, on what happens. We just got to try to win hockey games. Another Garrett, one for the understatement category. But here's what I think, Caroline. Is is anything happening in the next two months changing this hockey team? Well, it, 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 it's not making them better right now. It's not making them better right now. Would it in the future? I We don't know. We don't even know who or if anyone is going to be traded. But it, it's easy for for fans and for us to sit around and say, oh, trade this guy and get this guy. Well, what if other teams don't see value in these players on these Vancouver Canucks, on this Vancouver Canucks team? What if they don't see value? It's not as easy as saying, oh, let's just trade him and get this guy. Great. Let's just put pieces together. No, the other party has to be um, involved in this. The other party has to want these players. And the way they're playing now, 
I mean, do you, do you really want any of these guys? Really? Save for, you know, Horvat, Besser, Pedersen, who is injured. But, you know, save for the core group. Uh, are those guys even movable? You need someone. I thought Jimmy Vesey was good. I'd call on Jimmy Vesey, but he was on waivers. Anybody could have picked him up, and they didn't. That's part of the problem. And I, I wonder this, and I know they got into it last night on the postgame show. Is this fan base now to the point where if you don't see any action, and I don't think it'll be for lack of trying, but to your point going, you know, this is the Canucks garage sale, and it's, you're, you're going by going, I don't know, how is that going to help me? You know, who knows? Probably the key piece for me, I, I think Brandon Sutter can help a hockey team. But you're going to have to see if he's healthy or not because the list of injuries is so long with him. Unable to play yesterday, and I'm sure that in part is to go, let's give him another week off. But but where are you looking? You're looking at Ben. You're looking at Sutter. So in return, you might be getting a you know a mid-round draft pick. I, I don't know if people are going to be, oh, fantastic. We've got our mid-round pick. And I also don't buy this. And Elliot Friedman said this. And, and Texas at 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. If nothing happens to the Canucks on the trade deadline, is it turning you off so much where you're going, I am not investing any money on this hockey team? Now, granted, it's different in the offseason if they don't do anything, but there'll be some money available. You'll sign your star players. But are we at the point that people are going, no, I, listen, I'm going to speak to it with think this fan base is not at the point where you're rebuilding this hockey team. Jim Benning said two years, and I don't know if he's the guy, but I do think, Caroline, this hockey team is not that far off from being very competitive, from being a playoff team, and if people stay in place, a playoff team for a long time. They're not there yet, but it's not like it's a long road to get there. I'm just still baffled at the fact that it, that a team that makes it so far into the playoffs this past season is now rebuilding. That's just, it's it just see it they should be building not rebuilding to me they they should have been been adding they shouldn't have let these they they should have just I think they underestimated the I don't want to say loyalty they underestimated the the guys they, I guess they just assumed maybe that everyone would just want to stay and keep on the keep building not rebuilding I think they just thought maybe everyone wanted to stay and keep building I don't know what it is but I mean if they did do a blockbuster trade um are people just still going to find poke holes into it because right now the fan base is so frustrated and there really is no answers I I mean can management really do anything right right now in the eyes of the fans I I don't think I don't think there's a win at all for Jim Bennett no, I don't I, think can... there's a win at all available here for Jim Benning. Um, he'll move if someone wants, but you know Jim Benning is paying the price as people text in. He's paying the price for what he paid for bottom six guys. And you see VC yesterday. We'll see Travis Boyd next week, and you'll probably go because the bar is not that high. That's what you needed to do two, three years ago, but he made the mistake and he spent some money. And spending that money, he's got some guys in Beagle who's hurt. Anton Roussel, who's been invisible for the last couple of years, and that money being tied up, can't you, you can't change how he built something. You can't build a house a certain way and go, I'm tearing it down, unless you have heaps of money, which they don't, or a whole bunch of time. And time is the enemy of Jim Benning right now, and time might be the enemy of, you know, the enemy of Travis Green. Like Travis Green looked like just a, a worn, beaten man yesterday, uh, and he spoke about this. Like, guess what? It hurts now. Like, this really hurts 
and it doesn't feel good, and I can't come up here and talk about moral wins. I think later in the year, as the games go on, they they, they do tend to sting a little bit. So uh, especially when you play well, we talked about raising our game to find a way to win, and you know sometimes you play play a pretty decent game, and and the things don't go the way you want. So does it sting? Yeah, a little bit. That's why it should though. That's that's why we play the games because they matter. They feel great when you win, and when you lose, they're supposed to hurt. And Caroline, here's where I think we have to get to here. We just talked about Jim Benning will try and sell some people, right? But you need someone who's interested. That is the thing. I mean, it's easy for for us to say, oh, you should trade this guy for this guy. But who's who's interested? Is anybody actually really looking at this Canucks team saying, ooh, we could use him? Yeah, Sutter, of course, as you said, and I 100% agree. I don't think anyone can disagree. Sutter can help any hockey team. But what are they going to give up to get him? What, what are the Canucks going to get? So, and then if they did deal Sutter and didn't get back the people that the Canucks fans wanted them to get, then Benning is going to get, you know, trashed again I I, you summed it up Perry he's in a no-win situation he cannot do anything right right now I think people are just so frustrated and the team has just gone off the rails that there there's nothing that can be done to turn the season around there's nothing that can be done to please anybody uh keep the Canucks in a song coming in at 650 650 we will get to them if you somehow find a positive take on the game good for you Uh, I want to get back to Travis Green, and we're talking about Jim Benning. Hi, everybody. We've got players available. Who do you want? Well, not so much. If I am Ron Francis, and I am sitting in Seattle with an expansion team, with a guy who coached a couple hours uh, away from me in Portland, with a guy who's coaching a pro team two hours north of me in Vancouver, and every day goes by, and you see the challenges that the Vancouver Canucks have had, He gets another day closer to finishing out his contract without having a new one. And there's an ownership group that is hesitant as to what they will do with the GM. And tied to that is, well, we haven't tied down our coach. The assistant coaches and and people taking shots on how the PK is not good and stagnant on the power play, which is cyclical. You just wonder. You need two sides in a negotiation. Travis Green family does not live with them here. They're in the States for reasons. It's a better setup for them. Is Travis Green not have an agent? And is Travis Green not thinking, hmm, is there any interest in Seattle? Yeah, everyone just thinks, oh, but he's, he's, he's been with Petey. He's been with Hughes. It's a great setup. No, man, it's a business. Mm-hmm. We saw a business, you know, Kyle Lowry might be saying goodbye to the Raptors. It certainly seemed like that last night in his game. There's a whole lot of decisions that have to be made, and I think we hear it from an Ed Jovanovski, and we hear it from the players that join us, Kevin Bieksa on Monday mornings. Listen, you look after yourself. You don't know how long you're playing. Travis Green's the same thing. you got an ownership group here that it's been difficult. Obviously, everybody's losing money. Seattle's not. Haven't started to play yet, and when they do play, you're going to have fans in your building. You're going to be the hottest thing in Seattle for a while, especially the way the Seahawks are going. You may very well be that team. The longer Travis Green sits around without any contracts, I think the longer, if I'm the Seattle Kraken, I'm going, hmm, how would that guy be with my young team as a head coach? That's a concern. Or is it? Because people want Benning gone. Some people want Green gone. I think it's a situation where you can't just assume that he loves everything he sees here right now in Vancouver. Uh, Would you? 
I mean, anytime you have a bad day at work, not you, but anytime anybody has a bad day at work, don't you think of what else is out there? Don't don't tell me Travis Green isn't wondering what could be, what if. I mean, if he had the opportunity, why why wouldn't you try and take it? Why wouldn't you want to be, you know, part of the part of a company, so to speak, from the ground up. And, you know, as you said, the longer it takes for him to sign his contract, he's probably going, okay, well, then I'm going to look elsewhere just to protect my own interests. So I I don't think that it's it's out of the realm of possibility that he may be gone. Yeah, well, it's. I think they want him. I think they would like him. I think this team has been better when he was able to practice with them. But well, of course, they probably want. They wanted Markstrom and they wanted Toffoli too. Is, but they ran it, out of right? time. You know, yeah. I, I there's a. You can't always get what you want. Hey, that's a song. You can't always get what you want. But just because you want him to stay, does that mean he wants to stay? D- does that mean that he's not going to just jump elsewhere just to protect his himself and his own interests? I mean, that's a, it, it is a business. It is, it is exactly a business. that. He's got a family uh, to feed. <laughs> that's exactly. And guess what? You've you've got a, a suitor out there who goes, you yeah, know, we've got a fair bit of money. We'll mm-hmm. we'll overpay you right now. And in getting to those kind of if you if you allow him to get to that position where, hey, you, you saw with Jacob Markstrom, you saw it with Chris Tanner. Yeah, we love it. Thanks very much. But do you see what they're offering me? I've got to go. You know, is Travis Green have that kind of allure with Seattle where they go, hey, he actually would be our guy. We like what he does. He can work with kids. Green goes there and goes into another situation where you never have pressure when you're coming in right away and you're building an expansion franchise, not like the pressure he has now. And I think he enjoys the situation he's in now because the, the heat, the pressure, that means the accolades come. So we'll see if that gets to it. Uh, keep the text going. I, always a busy morning after the Canucks play. We'll get to all those. We appreciate that. Canucks in a song, Caroline. We do it after every game. You're filling in. You've got a great musical catalog. Man, you sent like five or six submissions. What did you decide would be your Canucks in a song recapping last night's effort? Well, after uh, much thought and deliberation, mine is It's Over by Roy Orbison. And that's just not the season. It's over for some players who may be moved, may be over for Travis Green in Vancouver. It may be over for so many things. Is it over for Canucks fans? You asked the question earlier. Are Canucks fans slowly just going to fade away, maybe find a new team, maybe just you know stop because you just can't keep going back in a toxic relationship where you just keep going back and you keep getting hurt, hoping that it will get better. No. Yeah, I, it I, may I, be I always, over. I always love uh, musicians and go. I wonder what the process is when you write songs. And you could you just hear the pain in his voice. Yeah, it's I just over. have to grab a tissue and <laughs> yeah. wipe my tears now. But yeah, I mean, you can pretty much Google any breakup song, and it kind of works here, does it not? Yeah, I, I don't know if the late great Roy Orbison was uh, writing that song after a really good day. I have a feeling <laughs> something. Something didn't go well for him. For me and my Canucks in a song, I went old school classic too because it turned the game around and it can talk about what you're suggesting. There will be some moves being made as we approach the trade deadline, but it's also, you know what? Be smarter when you're doing this, making changes, David Bowie.
Just be smarter. Just be smarter. You would have been a difference maker. Everything worked out a little bit better. Two stupid changes, two goals in the back of the net, and you could not overcome that. Uh, we'll get one more Canucks in a song before we get to it. We've got so many coming in. East Van Tommy uh, hitting us with this one, a little Holiday Road. Yeah. Holiday Road. Caroline, you know what? Uh, they could use a trip to Wally World right now, these guys. They could use a trip to Wally World. That's the thing. Where are they going? Uh, that's, like, the, that's the like thing. Where, where are you going to go? Where you go? Can they go to Whistler? I don't think you're allowed really to go to Whistler. Are you at this point? Like, where I do these guys go when you want to get so. away? Yeah, I don't think you can go to Whistler. I think you're just kind of sitting in your apartment um, listening to sports talk radio trash your career. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We've got more of that. We've got an awful lot of music. Everybody summing up what the Canucks did and kind of how this, I can't say it, first half, first 75% of the season left. And let me tell you right now, no one has any hope on what is going on with this team. We'll find you positivity in the form of sunshine and 11 on this Thursday morning. You've got it on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks, Sportsnet 650. is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. That's Jay and uh, Ladysmith with a little bit of uh, Billy talent. Uh, nothing to lose. 631 on a Thursday morning. Going to get up to a high of 11. Some sunshine. Man, hockey fans, they need that after last night. Good morning to you. Perry Silkowski, Carolyn Frolic filling in for James Sapolsky this morning with you as we dive into the Canucks as, as they get away. Uh, nothing to lose. They had a lot to lose in the sense that, man, you, you have to do something. At least get one against the Winnipeg Jets. Their effort better than I had imagined. And, and Caroline, here's what I was thinking last night. As crazy as it is, you know, you love when a season starts. You've got all these, these great scenarios, how it will play out. You go, oh, my goodness, look at what's gone on with the Calgary Flames. Can you imagine playing them 10 times? Markstrom, Tanef, Josh Levo. It's going to be down to the wire. It's going to be us against them. In about three or four weeks' time when they play, you go, really? Who, it's, it's the Flames. You're terrible. It's the Canucks. You've got nothing. Who would imagine that those two teams could be on the outside looking in? And that's that's the case that we're going into right now. Well, it sure was a swell thought at the beginning of the season, wasn't it? Coming right down to the wire, it's going to be Vancouver versus Calgary. The Canucks versus the Calgary Canucks. Well, that kind of, uh, the tires blew off both teams. And, you know, as, as, as you were just saying, the Canucks, it would have been nice to have gotten at least a point out of this series with the Jets. And the Jets had everything to play for. Look at where they are in the standings now. So you're facing a team that just shut you out and have everything to play for moving up in the standings. And, I mean, they did They did try really hard, to quote my mom. They, at least they tried really hard. I was second period, didn't they set a season high for shots on goal in the second? I, I, 20 shots on goal in the second? 
Uh, so we got that going for us. But still, it was just so deflated. It's it, you just kind of look around and go, can't these guys buy a break? But then they do the boneheaded moves, the too many men. So it's just it, it's such a roller coaster. It's like I said, it's a toxic relationship. Well, and and it's emotional. And I love how invested people are, good and bad. Uh, the text line has been crazy. I apologize we haven't got to it. Let's get to some of them uh, right now. Uh, sign your texts, please, too. Uh, to put it into perspective for us, VC for the forward uh, time on ice last night, it was a waiver claim. Yeah, we know. I'll tell you what. I do like what Jim Benning has done. I I, I like how Travis Boyd plays. We'll see him next week. And and, and Jimmy VC uh, was good last night. Now I understand what you're getting at. Is is that something where you go, wow, a waiver claim comes in? And is that noticeable on a hockey team? That's bad news. I understand that. That's what you've built. But you've got Anton Roussel, right? You, you've got the Jay Beagles of the world. You, you, you've got the uh, Jace Horlicks of the world where VC comes in a Hobie Baker trophy. I think he's, you know, you always get a guy who's excited to play. He's got a buddy in JT Miller. I, I hope that he's around next year. I would sign him for the money he is. That's the type of guy you needed. It's just not the guy you could afford. But you're right. It, it does put some things into perspective to say, here's where we are. Jake Furtanen sitting at a top six role. It doesn't fit there, but he has to. Someone may mention, too, like there are some people who are out there who are still excited about what could happen. You've got Petey coming back, who I think wasn't, wasn't great in this first half of the year. He will be a much better hockey player. When you get something taken away from you, Caroline, you know. You're just going, oh, man, I can't wait to get back. Man, we're working from home. I can't wait to get back into a studio. People can't wait to go out and, and see relatives. It's taken away from him. You're not playing hockey. When he gets back, he'll be better. Is it too late? Likely, but he'll be better. Pod Colson is in a battle right now in the KHL playoffs. He's a guy who everybody in the organization thought instantly he will be in the NHL. Not Hoaglander. Not Hoaglander scored again last night. Bud Colson has that step up. He's that guy that was that first-round pick that year. He will step up. So you're actually adding two guys who are going to help your hockey team dramatically. I said it earlier. I think if this was an 82-game schedule, even in the North Division, this team would be kicking and clawing and likely getting to a playoff spot because they played that much better in the final two months. They just can't dig themselves out of a ridiculous hole that they built because they were a little bit immature. They didn't take care of themselves. They didn't come ready. And then they got into a whirlwind of not practicing and just losing and could not climb out of it. So there are some people that believe, yeah, you know what? This might be better uh, down the road. And I don't think it's a long fix, Carolyn. I think, and I don't, I don't believe it'll be Jim Benning. But I do think this hockey team will be that much better next year when things are returning to normal. I mean, you can trash Benning all you want, hashtag fire Benning all you want, but guy can draft. Look at, look at the young players on the team. Can you argue with any of these young guys? No. They're the ones that are stepping up. They're the future of the team. Um, I think I think they're one or two pieces away. As But as you said, no one predicted Hoaglander to be Hoaglander. Uh, who knows what Pod Colson is going to be? Is it going to be a case of him being hyped and then he just kind of falls flat in the NHL? Or is he going to come and be a Pedersen scoring on his first shot in his first first NHL game we don't know it's nice to speculate right now I think everyone's going in a downward spiral because it's just so bad but I'm with you taking the positive spin that this team is just a few pieces away I mean goaltending locked up 
Are you going to tell me Demko's not the guy? Come on. I was going to say, there's a big win right there, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody. Isn't that half the battle? Hey, we have we've had some experts on here that, you know, in the offseason said that's your first priority. You have to make sure Jacob Markstrom is there. There's a $36 million commitment that, you know, I'm sure we would have had people going good. At least they've got Markstrom, so now we have to worry about what's in front of them. So that's a roll of the dice. And, yes, you had to have a security blanket with over $4 million in Braden Holpe, but that's the prudent play. You know, you watch Jacob Markstrom. Would you rather be a Canucks fan right now? Texas at 650-650. Or, and I know people are going, media, you guys, all this hype. You know, you make all these decisions. Sports talk, radio, that doesn't mean anything. You go work for the Aquilinis. I see your text. Listen, it's a discussion. Sports is about opinion, good and bad. And when your team is struggling, people get angry. And they're trying to fix the problem. Whether there's more patience coming around the corner, who knows. But I'll ask you this. Who's in a better situation right now? You, a pissed-off Canucks fan, that it looks like it's gone. And you could go run the seawall if you want today. Look at the sunshine. It's going to be 11. Or a Calgary Flames fan who went after and cured their problems, being here's your number one goalie. We've got him for six more years. Kicks out a massive rebound yesterday as they give up three against the Ottawa Senators in the third. The defenseman who's going to lock it down for you, who, who gets beaten behind his own net and Chris Tanev, and it's out front, and that gets Ottawa going as they score and tie the goal. You think it's easier to be a Flames fan right now when you've got all these pieces? Or a Canucks fan where you go all right uh we've spent some bad money thank goodness we can get rid of those guys in a year or two and at the end of the day they aren't going to change our team anyways it's going to be the young guys in front man caroline i think it's a lot easier to rep the west coast and the canucks as to where these guys are going in the next couple of years 1,000%. And I know that makes for bad radio if we're always agreeing with each other, but I can't disagree here, you know? They, because at the start of the season, all eyes were on the uh, Calgary Canucks, so to speak. All eyes were on the Flames. Oh, my God, they've got Tanev, they've got Markstrom. Ha-ha, we've got Markstrom. And on paper, I saw the Flames at least in the two spot in, in the division. And they were playing fairly well. Then the wheels fell off. So I think it's even harder to, you know, start so decently and to have all of the good pieces in place. You know, they had their missing puzzle piece. They got their Marstrom. They got their goalie. And and then now they're they're falling apart. So there's no rhyme or reason. So I think it's more painful to be a, a Calgary fan right now because the hype was so high and the ex- expectation was so high and they were doing so well for a little while there. So I think it's it's a harder fall, whereas, you know, the Canucks just kind of sputtered right out of the gate. So there was no expectation. It's all in the expectation. Right. And uh, and I think the expectation for Calgary was much higher for Vancouver. So I think it's much more torturous to be uh, following the flames right now. Ian and Coquillum texting us on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. His hot take, both Benning and Green will be out at the end of the year. Ownership will hand the reins over to Mike Babcock uh, to coach and GM. No, Ian, you're wrong. That's not happening. Tell you what, ownership might be handing over the reins in Calgary to Sutter to say, you coach and you you fix this and we'll find a coach in the offseason. And Brad Treliving, he may not have a, a week left in him after how that team is playing. I mean, we're talking about being a roller coaster of emotions in a glass case of emotion, so to speak, following the Canucks, the ups and down, the ups and downs. I mean, weren't they dancing through the streets of Calgary the first few games when Sutter came back? I mean, yay, look at us. We're 3-0. And now 
you're you're getting your behind handed to you by the Ottawa Senators. And granted, they have been playing better hockey. They took the Canucks uh, to the brink uh, to you know shoot out overtime, but it's still the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the text from Calgary saying the Flames have a cup and two less riots, morons. Uh, you got a four. <laughs> you got a four hundred three area code. You're living in Alberta, and this is coming from an Albertan. Hang on. Listen, we talked about it earlier. We're not hang, talking hang, about that. Hang We're on to eighty nine. Like hang on to eighty nine. Just like this city uh, had such a love affair and still does for the nineteen ninety four team that you know fell short by a goalpost. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we're going back into, you know what, uh, it's easier to be a Flames fan because they won in 1989. That's more painful to me. I don't think that, right? As That's they more said, painful. Yeah, if you're Calgary, you're wincing at Marquis 6x6. Six six. I, I, I think that is the case in Calgary. Now, I do like this, and you can draw the parallel uh, with Treleving and Benning. Uh, two guys, a lot of respect for. I like Brad Treleving every summer. That guy has done something to try and fix his team. Now, I, I don't necessarily know if Jim Benning has done enough, and it's a different situation. You know, I, I got into an interesting conversation with Brad Living a, a few years back, and the Sedins were still playing. A, and with it, and there was no cameras, there was no nothing. It was just about the challenge the Vancouver Canucks were going to have in moving the Sedins and saying, you know what, you're moving two of your best players, two on your first line. He goes, man, we hemmed and hawed with the Ginla in this organization. How they'll be able to move them, how they'll be able to bounce back quickly, he goes, that is going to be tough. And it has been, but they moved the right way. The shortened season, not like they would expected, but at the same point, you know, it, it hasn't been like we've been waiting here for 10 years to fix it. And like I said, if this was an 82-game schedule, Maybe there's a chance. I do think this this team was one of the better teams than the North Division in March. It's as mm-hmm. simple as that. They were just so terrible for the two, first two months of the season. Hey, the text line's absolutely hopping. We may open up some phone lines to give you a chance to talk, but thank you for all that. More Canucks in the song. Hey, we'll hear coming up. It's a little time for, for BS or PS. We'll hear from JT Miller. Guard down. What's it been like playing with no fans? Let's be honest. It sucks. We'll give you those, those details. Official home of the Vancouver Canucks, you've got on a sports at 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. Finding you a little bit of P.S., maybe a little slash of B.S. this morning. Other things that are going on in the world of sports, Sands Canucks. Although, here's something about the Canucks. How tough has it been for these players to talk to the fans? You know, we have them on the Zoom call. You hear kind of the standard clip. But J.T. Miller was on a podcast, former NHL tough guy John Scott. And you know what? Probably as honest as a Canuck player has been about what things have been like this year. I'll tell you what, it sucks with no fans. Like, it, yeah. it's... I feel like when they come when they come back, it's going to be crazy. Like we're going to be nervous again to go out and play. It's, but it's just the car we've been dealt, I guess. And I wouldn't say we're sick of it. Like I think right now everybody's got a job to do. We're definitely focused on that. But it, it's 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 like a it's like a playoff series. It is in the playoffs every week. It's been stressful, Caroline. You and I have been lucky enough. You know, we get to go to these games and watch. When you watch on TV, they've done a wonderful job from a production standpoint with the crowd noise to give you that feel through the television. 
But, man, don't you think it's so completely different when you're actually in the rink and you're just watching and you don't hear anything? I mean, I get, in theory, the fake fan noise. And this doesn't go just for the Vancouver Canucks. It goes all around every, every sport and every league. Every time I hear the fake fan noise, I giggle. Because it is just so silly that it's like, oh, you're trying. That's cute. And then I hear the cheers and I hear the ooh. But it's, it, it really is different. Just watching any of the sports without fans, it just feels different. It's hard to get so amped up. I don't know. I mean, I think us as fans watching it from home, from our living room, I think we feed off that too, don't we? I, I think it's one of the reasons we haven't seen as many comebacks. Because when you're in that building and you get scored on, you know, it, it becomes like a scrimmage. Uh, and then, you know, it happened again. When you're scoring, you've got the momentum, you feel good, you're on the bench. It's been difficult. And as he said, I don't think JT Miller will be alone saying, you know, I think we'll probably be nervous when fans are in. I think everybody's going to be a little bit nervous when fans are in. Hey, P.S., are you ready for some football? Yeah, that's the wrong league, but I just love that music, right? little Monday night football to get you going. Reports circulating, and they started on the prairies. So when it's CFL news and it's from the prairies, there's got to be a tinge of truth to it. This one started in Regina. CFL saying that they will have camp likely in August, and they will circle Labor Day as the beginning of their season. Caroline, so many American players... The way the borders are here, it's been so quiet about what's going on. To me, it seems realistic. They had talked about it last year. They were hoping maybe Labor Day shows you how you know naive we were about what we were dealing with COVID-19. But do you care if it's September and the CFL starts, or will they have lost you yet again? I, because it is so, it's such a dire situation in the CFL uh, financially. I'm going to watch just on principle. You know, I'm going to make sure I focus on that league more than I ever have. Just because it's it's so sad going to the government. They were getting denied. They've been in financial trouble for years now, and this pandemic certainly didn't didn't help. Um, understatement, pandemic didn't help. But I'm absolutely going to pay more attention now um, than I ever have because it's it's the Canadian game. Yes, it's been sort of fading anywhere outside of the middle of the country, but... I care. Yeah. I care well, more now than ever, actually. It's, and, and it's a case of, you, you said it earlier, Perry, once you have something taken away, you want it more. So that's how that's where I am now with the CFL. Never more changes and more excitement about the league than a couple weeks ago when The Rock says he may be a part of it because it needs something new. And, you know, if that gives them more time, uh, Labor Day it is, but uh, it's a summer lost again. They need to reinvent it with something different. Maybe The Rock is a part of that. P.S. Uh, this can be a game changer. As Manning has Collie, and the ball's out. Collie took a vicious hit. He still down, hasn't moved. Yeah, uh, this would be a game changer in the sense that researchers say they can now diagnose concussions accurately using a biomarker in saliva. They're saying this is going to be groundbreaking. A finding It's a finding that's going to raise possibilities that doctors and athletic traders could rapidly determine whether someone suffered a concussion just using that objective test. Man, you go in the blue tent with football, guys are going for concussion protocol. It sounds like it, and, you know, science is amazing, Caroline. you imagine? They would have their test. Here's what it should look like. 
swab of saliva, and they'd be able to say, yeah, you've had a concussion. Well, can't you already tell if someone has a concussion with or without a saliva test? And even if they do have a concussion, is that going to stop them from maybe putting putting the players back in anyway for, you know, love of the game, quote unquote? I mean, you can already tell when someone has a concussion and a lot of times they cover it up. Is this just a way for them to say, nope, nope, here's the scientific proof. It is a concussion. I, I, I think they look for definitive proof. And I think certainly from a sports perspective, how quickly can it be diagnosed? And if they feel they can come up with it through a swab and say this is how it read, we go. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, what this is hoping for is you can get a player back real quick rather than, oh, we're going we're gonna to lose them for a, whip, a while before we diagnose them. But, hey, any science, any progress in science, anything to do with brain bruises, brains in, brain injuries, which are concussions, uh, it is an absolute positive. There you go. Oh. No BS, just PS on this uh, Thursday morning. Hockey Night Canada's David Amber watching from afar. We'll break what's happened down. What a crazy week it has been right throughout the NHL. That's it. You've got it in the home of the Vancouver Canucks. Perry and Carolina Sports at 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. That will do it as the Winnipeg Jets come into Vancouver. Connor Hellebuck gives up one goal in two games. Winnipeg snags all four points, and the Jets take it 5-1 to one tonight at Rogers Arena. These guys are here to break it all down. Does it sting? Yeah, a little bit. That's why it should, though. That's why we play the games, because they matter. You feel great when you win, and when you lose, they're supposed to hurt. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. A great opportunity squandered? Absolutely. A crushing blow? Yes. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Sure, crushing blow, great opportunity. Well, I don't know if they go that far, squandered. Yeah, it all works. You know, 19 games left, where are you? You're really on the outside looking in, but are you done with them? Are you done with them, everybody? Good morning, Perry Solkowski. James Sabolski off for a couple days. Spring break with the kids. Don't know how far he's going. Carolyn Froelich, excellent job uh, joining us this morning. Been a lot of fun. And Carolyn, we're not surprised at all. Text line at 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Absolutely hopping. People bitter, people mad. Everyone wants to get fired. But I want to read this. I want to read this for some perspective. And we have talked about it prior to the year. Remember a conversation we had with Dan Murphy on the show where Murphy and I were kind of in agreement, going, well, eh, you know what? It couldn't be a step back to make two steps forward in this year. Good morning, 650 squad. This is actually the first in many years that I've expected that the Canucks wouldn't be and shouldn't be in the playoffs. It would be detrimental to get in and then get ousted right away. I'm actually looking forward to the offseason to see how we can bridge the gap to get to the promised land. By the way, awesome to hear Caroline this morning on the airways. Brandon from oh. the OP couldn't agree more. Well, thanks, you know, Brandon. But I agree could... with Brandon, though. That's what that's what we were saying before the show, Perry, that, I mean, if the Canucks make the playoffs, then what? You're going to meet Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal? I mean, Edmonton? What, is, is it going to be better? Is it enough just to make the playoffs? So you make the playoffs and you go... Ah, you've made it. Well, there's also life after the playoffs. You, don't you want a cup? Don't you want to make a deep run? There's more to life than just making the playoffs. I mean, do you, would you rather make the playoffs and then get ousted or not make the playoffs at all? Well, here's the biggest issue. And there's, there's one gentleman who, who holds all the cards. And you go back, you can go back three or four years when Trevor Linden was here. Patience. Who has the patience, right? And, and Jim Benning, all he can hope for, 
because he made some terrible decisions. People are going, oh, come on, it's all on Benning. Yes, he overpaid for guys on the bottom six, and those contracts are absolutely killing him right now. Right? He made some tough decisions. He said, we're not going to see Louis Erickson anymore. We're not going to see Sven Berch anymore. And he's been trying to get past those decisions. And Jim Benning saw the light at the end of the tunnel this year going, okay, I'm actually going to be moving some money. But I've got to spend more for these kids who have come through. Will he get that opportunity? That's the question, right? Does Aquilini give Benning that question? You know, I heard around a couple days ago, too. Jim Benning's a good hockey guy. He's not a PR guy. Do they need another body in there with Jim Benning? I think it would be difficult when you're the GM of the team to ask to take a lesser role and look after something uh, other than, you know, being the king of the hill. So does he get that time? Does Travis Green want to stay here? Or the fact that these contracts aren't signed, does Travis Green go, well, if they don't put anything great in front of me right now, and I understand the economics of it all, do I look at elsewhere? And elsewhere being, hmm, I wonder what Seattle has. How much money do they have there? Is this team in jeopardy of losing a coach? Or do you want the coach gone? Because there's been plenty of people on the text line going, you know what? Uh, we could probably, Travis Green's gone. Jim Benning's gone. But do you blow it all up? Do you blow it all up for the craziest season that you've ever put together? Do you blow it all up when you're playing hockey teams with the talent of, of Edmonton? And Toronto, you know, if, if you're seeing Anaheim and you're seeing Los Angeles, you know, you look at where the Canucks are, they'd kind of be where you expect. They would be battling for a playoff spot. So, so much to ponder, and we've got a week to do it, but disappointing that they couldn't get one win against the Winnipeg Jets and keep it alive. It or a point. Just something. They couldn't, but they were decimated. They were hurt. Credit to Bo Horvat showing up and getting it out yesterday. David Amber is going to give us some perspective. David, we need perspective. We're going on a break, and people are outraged on the West Coast. How are you this morning, my friend? <laughs> wait, wait. I'm supposed to be the, the measured voice here, the voice of reason. The, That's not my area of strength, guys. I, you're you know the voice that. of reason. You're the voice yeah, of reason. Not. You're here to help us. Speaking of voice of reason, this, this show has taken on a much more professional tone with, with you in the chair instead of James. I'm liking this. Yeah, oh, my well, goodness. At some point, sometimes. We haven't talked to any wrestling yet, but, yeah. C-Pro in for C-Ball. Yeah, we, um, listen, you know, when we talked last week, as we do every Thursday, we look forward to our yeah. conversations. Hey, uh, you know, I don't know how much you excelled at math. I didn't mind it. I like the numbers. The numbers never look good for the Canucks. But there just seemed to be that glimmer of hope uh, that was lost. And albeit they played well five on five, but you can't make up for bad mistakes. But do you actually see anything this team can do as you go, we're sellers, we're sellers now? that is going to change the course of this team right away? I mean, you're, you're moving bit pieces for, you know, mid-round draft picks in all likelihood. Um, no, I, you know, listen, there's, you want perspective. Uh, there's a website called Sport Club Stats. I don't know if you guys have talked about it this morning. And it, it does the math for us. It shows you the percentage pro- probability of teams making the playoffs. Vancouver had a long road to hoe last Saturday when we were on hockey night talking about the path they needed. And since then, you know, it's been, it's been a tough week to say the least. They're down to a 1.1% chance of making the playoffs. So, you know, it's pretty clearly identified what's happening with Vancouver right now. It's funny to say this, and I say this a little bit tongue in cheek, but you know, Montreal had a, had a, a COVID outbreak this week and by all the yeah. signs, they actually had a better week than Vancouver or, or Calgary, you know, how does that work, right? <laughs> the way things have gone in those two markets. Calgary's down to a 5% chance, which is, which is a bit shocking. 
I don't see the path for Vancouver anymore. Um, and there's a whole number, you know, I'm sure you guys have, have talked about this up and down, what's happened this year, why the regression, you know, why are they where they are now compared to where they were a year ago? We could we can sit here for hours uh, going through all of that. But now I think that the big path and the big question is how do they move forward? And, I, and those are big questions. You know, they have a lot to, to figure out with the contracts that are coming up, the RFAs. Uh, Demco, of course, is someone they're going to have to figure out as well a couple of years down the road. And, you know, how are they going to manage their money knowing that it's a flat cap for the next three years? So I think it's a huge, huge offseason. You know, Perry, Carolyn, when I think about what's going to happen in the next few months, this is really big as far as pointing this team back in the, in the you know, direction they were heading last year. Now, do you see the team being, so to speak, blown up? Do you see these huge pieces getting moved? Well, you know, that's a great question. I think one thing, and I still, you know, speak to this, I love the, the nucleus of this team. And, you know, you ask any GM in the league, you could start building a foundation around Quinn Hughes, around uh, Pedersen, around Besser, uh, around Horvat. They're going to be pretty excited about that, you know, and there's some other good young parts I didn't name. So I, I don't see those types of moves taking place. I do see some ancillary you know, what happened last night? Cop goes and scores four goals. You know, it's the game of his life. But you look at the depth on teams like the Leafs, like the Canadians, and, and like Winnipeg, and, and that's where there's going to be some questions to address. You know, how can you make that bottom six stronger on Vancouver? And not just stronger, but also less expensive. I mean, that's a key here. It's not so much about having guys positioned and slotted as your ninth and tenth forwards, um, but how much are you paying those guys that are slotted in the six, seven, eight, nine? spot so there's gonna have to be you know you asked if there's gonna be a significant blow up i'm not sure if it's gonna be a blow up i, I definitely think there's gonna be some significant you know the amount the volume of personnel moves i'm sure will be figured out and there's gonna have to be some really important math done by jim benning and the rest of the, the vancouver you know executives to sort of say how can we make this work you know if the cap were going up like we'd expected pre-pandemic that's different but with a flat cap for the foreseeable future it makes things much tougher well, David Amber joining us from Hockey Night in Canada as he does every Thursday morning. Perry Solkowski, Caroline Froelich on the starting lineup. Now, David, I want to go back to something you said. You know, why has this team regressed, right? Why did they go backwards? And I just wonder, did they? Like, did they go backwards? Did we have expectations way too high for this team? Because they were in a situation in the summer that as a bunch of young guys and, and not a lot of families associated with, they got into a groove like it was a midget or a bantam tournament. And we're having a bunch of fun and had a goalie come in uh, to replace their starter and just have a run. And you go, wow, look how good they are. Petey could be challenging for the heart. They, you know, they've, they're, they're, they've, they're solid everywhere. This is the start of it. It's progressed. This rebuild is now two years down the road quicker than we thought. I just think expectations for this team maybe just weren't realistic. Listen, I think that's a fair statement. But at the same time, um, I, I don't think it was smoke and mirrors. I think... You know, Travis Green was coaching a team that had a level of confidence and certainly had a level of skill. And, you know, yeah, guys also playing for contracts, Markstrom and Tanev, et cetera. And I'm not saying they try harder when they're playing for contracts, but we've seen how good Tyler Toffoli is this year. We saw how good he is, was with Vancouver. Uh, you know, things came together. There was a certain amount of chemistry and confidence. And, yeah, did they, did they bat out of their, their shoes a little bit last year? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really prepared to say that. I think we saw the potential of what this unit can do. And, you know, certainly with that nucleus, and when you had a, an elite goaltending like they had in the playoffs last year, you can make a deep run. Um, yeah, 
I get it. There, there's some natural things. Teams adjust. You know, Quinn Hughes has been good, but, you know, last year they asked him to be one of the top defensemen in the league uh, for stretches at a time. And I'm not sure that's fair with a 21 or a 22-year-old to, to have that night-in, night-out expectation. There are going to be growing pains, and we're seeing some of those growing pains this year. And the lack of depth, you know, Pedersen goes down. I mean, it's been crazy how the, the center situation with Vancouver in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, yeah, it's highlighted some of the problems in this organization, but I still think they're on a good trajectory. I think this is going to be a very important offseason. And I thought actually, you know, I'll be honest with you, Perry, I thought maybe some of the expectations were tempered coming into this season because a lot of people did see, oh, my goodness, uh, Tanev's gone. Uh, they didn't resign to Foley. He's gone. And, and our number one most important player, our MVP from last year, Markstrom's gone. And it was asking a lot of Thatcher Demko in, in essentially his first year in the league, uh, for all intents and purposes, to have the type of impact he had, you know, in, in the playoffs. So uh, there were some question marks. But at the same time, I, and I was one of those people pretty optimistic that I still loved what I saw from Vancouver and I saw the upside of it. Um, and it didn't work out. It, it certainly didn't work out the way I expected. I, I thought Vancouver was a playoff team, and it's showing that they're not for, for a number of reasons. But I, I wouldn't put the doom and gloom on this franchise. I would say maybe it's reset the expectations a little bit, but they're still not so far off course that I would you know, say this is a, you know, year two of a five-year rebuild or anything like that. David Amber joining us from Hockey Night in Canada. Now, David, we've been touching on this every time we mention the word Vancouver Canucks. Uh, youth, inexperience, immaturity. Now, in the bubble, there were no expectations for these guys. And they went out and they just played their hearts out and look how far it got them. After that, despite the missing pieces, despite the lack of Toffoli, despite the lack of Markstrom, now all eyes were on the Canucks. So what can you do now? You made it that far. What you going to do now? Do you think that added different sort of pressure got to the young, inexperienced, immature guys? Ah, that's a good question. I, I you know, I, I don't even, it's funny though, I don't look at them as a young, inexperienced team. I mean, when you look at, you know, Tyler Myers has been to a Western Conference final with his time in Winnipeg. JT Miller, I mean, he had all that playoff success uh, with Tampa Bay. They do have a, a number of guys who have been through some pretty big battles. Jay Beagles won a Stanley Cup. I mean, they do have guys there who've been there, done that. I don't look at this team and say they're a youthful team. I mean, when you look at the Ottawa Senators, as, as a whole, you go, that's a youthful team. I, I don't get that feeling with Vancouver. I don't think there was necessarily a pressure situation that got to them. You know, Carolyn, when I look at it, I look at it as, you know, they didn't get chemistry right away. They didn't get the goaltending they needed right away. And then they suffered some injuries later on. And, you know, a lot of those factors played in. And, and there were certainly some discipline problems in the sense of, my goodness, two more, too many men on the ice penalties. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would, I would, that a good amount of money the Canucks lead the league in, in too many men on the ice penalties because I know they, they had do. a bunch at the beginning of the year. So uh, there, there was just a whole, you know, it's almost like everything conspired together and it's caused the problem they're in. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a pressure situation because I do think they have some veteran leadership and they have a good head coach and they have a great captain in Bohorvat. But, um, you know, maybe it was a little bit of, uh, of all these issues coming together and causing problems for the Canucks this year. And, and it was just a hill way too big to overcome. Well, we'll ask you the simple question that we debate and this city has debated for a long time. And, and it seems like most are, are leaning one way. Uh, you always find it when hockey teams, you know, start to climb the mountain and are really good. The guy who put a lot of pieces in place isn't there. Do you think Jim Benning is here in the summertime? Well, that is that is obviously the big question, you know, Perry. I, I, 
I, I hate, you know, it almost feels like we're doing a eulogy right now. For the no, I, it, yeah, it's, you don't want it to happen, but it's just part of the yeah. business, right? Yeah, I, listen, he's been there since 2014. He's, he's certainly had um, time. A lot of people, the detractors would say he's had time to, to build this thing up and it should be further along. Uh, and there'll be some people who are, are pro-Benning who will say, look, he's made a lot of good moves. He's drafted well. Uh, and he has this team pointed in the right direction. Let's, let's run forward with him. One question I always put out there when people, oh, they got to fire the coach. I say, okay, well, who are they going to replace him with? Like, let me put it this way. If they're going to get rid of Jim Benning, who's the replacement? Is there someone sitting there and you go, my goodness, this person would be an exceptional architect. He has the track record or she has the track record or whatever the case may be. This is a person we think can lead this team in the right direction that's not currently be led in. Um, that's the question I ask. If I'm the Aquilini family, I don't just start saying, oh, my God, the team didn't do well. Let's start firing people. I think you really have to have a game plan. And, you know, it's funny. You brought me on at the beginning and said, well, let's have a measured approach here. And I think that's the approach <laughs> that the management has to take. You have to take a measured approach. You know, when people start yelling and screaming, do this, do that. The teams that are the best teams in all sports, they have one thing in common, stability, Right. You look at teams, yep. you know, look at teams that have been good for a long time. The Pittsburgh Steelers have had three head coaches in the last 50 years, right? Like, I know that's a bit extreme, but you look at the teams. Who's the longest tenure coach in the National Hockey League? John Cooper. Who's the defending Stanley Cup champion? Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, that's not just by coincidence. I, I do think there is something about stability that helps things. People feel comfortable and confident. And as long as you have confidence in what Jim Benning's doing – then you got to keep moving forward with them unless you have a much better uh, person that could be in place to, to do the job that he's, you know, that you don't feel he's capable of doing. Well, and, and there's the biggest challenge, right? You've had seven years of this guy, but I, I would say the last four is when he's trying to build his and saying goodbye to the Sedins. Let me ask you that same question. Are we seeing the end of Brad Treleving? It's a different situation in Calgary where he's got his hands all over everything. And you just wonder if Sutter came in there saying, hey, if it doesn't work out, I get the GM job too. Do you think that's where the Flames are going? They very well could. It's funny. Uh, Brad Trey Living was hired, I want to say, a couple of weeks, if my memory serves me right, uh, before Jim Benning was hired back in 2014. So they've been almost uh, on the same you know, roadmap for the same time. I, you know, I wonder. I, I, something significant has to happen with Calgary. Because I actually look at it dissimilar a little differently you guys were bringing up sort of the expectations of vancouver this year and I, I think they were tempered going in i was one of the few people waving their banner and obviously i'm not very smart but uh, you know a lot of people are saying this is going to be a down year for vancouver conversely the expectations in calgary were through the roof they're bringing in a, a vesna caliber goalie they're bringing in uh you know a, a great defender in chris tanev they're bringing in the parts they needed to push them through further in the playoffs. And the funny thing is they have all these great individual parts, but the sum of the parts never seems to equate to the great level of success you'd think. And when you bring up Brad Trey living, the interesting part there, Perry, is that, you know, he's gone through a handful of coaches now and we really know, you know, and Brian Birch used to say this, you know, a GM will get one or two coaches. They're not generally getting four or five coaches. And some of this was out of his control, you know, the Bill Peters situation, et cetera, but he has been through a handful of coaches. The expectations are very high. And, you know, there will be some fingers pointed at him. Um, I think Brad's done generally a pretty good job, and he's a very good man, and I'd like to think he can continue on in his role. But the uh, fact of the matter is it's, it's a results-oriented business, and we all see that. And when that's the case, the guy who's going to have a target really pointed at him is the GM. So Calgary's got a, a world – you know, they're in a world of trouble. I mean, they're, there's 
maybe it's more likely that Ottawa is going to catch Calgary in the standings than Calgary get into the playoffs. Like, think about that for a second. So I think it might be dependent on how they close out these last 20 games, if they can make a legitimate run, if they could show some signs of being the team they're supposed to be. That could potentially save some jobs. But I do think if there's one team that's going to have a big facelift in this division uh, in the offseason, right now all signs would point to Calgary. David Amber joining us from Hockey Night in Canada. This is a starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. Now, David, we're going to move this into a nice positive area now. How about them cues? How you feeling over there? <laughs> big big orange matchup this weekend, eh? And, it, and it's against, hey, bringing it back to hockey, Tyler Myers' little brother, Quentin Grimes. <laughs> So how you how you uh, feeling? You doing all right over there? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm I'm a big uh, NCAA enthusiast. I'm glad you asked that. And to me, it's it's honestly it's the best pure sporting uh, event there is. It, it just mm-hmm. is in in the sense that it's this one and done. It's college athletes. It's so unpredictable. I mean, everyone's brackets blew up essentially on the Thursday or Friday. <laughs> no, I guess it was Friday or Saturday of this year. It makes it exciting for me. Um, and as someone, I went to Syracuse, and they actually got to the Final Four the year I graduated there, um, and, which was it was just amazing, uh, the, the feeling uh, around the campus. It's so exciting. I, I Listen, they're an 11 seed. Are they going to make a further run? Are they going to get past Houston? And, and I love the, the Tyler Myers connection with Grimes. I think that's really cool. Um, it's all, it's all uh, you know, it's all, what, candy now after? Like, it's all... It's yeah. all just the cherry on top because there was really low expectations for Syracuse. But anything could happen. Jim Beheim does his best coaching when, uh, when the team has zero expectations. So I love the, I love the, um, the tournament. I think it's a lot of fun. Do you guys, who, you guys have Gonzaga probably winning, I imagine? Yeah, we had, we had Sacker on the show last week, so he kind of forced the issue and we listened to the big man. Uh, it would be fun, right? I mean, the the great you're you're right. The purity of the NCAA is great. I miss the fans, and I know they have some in there. Yeah. But I mean, just when you're watching the student body and their faces and their emotion to get on that run or be so disappointed, uh, it's something. Did you? Uh, we'll take this right off as we say goodbye. Did you see that post? There's that 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 reporter in uh, the states who does a whole NCAA and a meetings and all that stuff. It's it's unbelievable the the TikTok that she has. How funny the NCAA is right now, and what what has happened. It's it's been unbelievable the the bracket busters that have happened. But yeah, no, I haven't seen that. Is that, is that, is that oh, on Twitter? I'll send it. I'll send it to you. Yeah, it's on Twitter. She's she's fabulous. About a quarter million oh, views. Please, you would yeah. just like la- to see that. laugh hysterically. Um, do you wear um, Syracuse uh, paraphernalia when they play? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not that crazy about it. But I, you know, I certainly tried to indoctrinate my kids, get them a little bit go orange and, and into it a bit. You know, I got my whole family to fill out brackets just for fun, like you know, in one of these big pools. And I think my daughter is now in like 1100th out of 1400 people. I think she had West Virginia winning the whole thing just to, to spite me, even though they were facing Q's last week. But <laughs> but no, I, I love it. It's uh, it's it's actually a really fun tournament, and uh, I'm glad to see it back. Because if you guys remember a year ago, that was the first sort of chip to fall. The NHL and NBA sort of postponed their yeah. seasons temporarily, and March Madness went away, and it was like, wow, this is really a significant thing that's happening. And here we are a year later, and it does feel like maybe we'll get back to normalcy when these sorts of sports events are able to resume. David, thank you, my friend. Have a great week. Enjoy the basketball. Be well, guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. There you go. There's David Ammer. You'll see him on Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, tell you what, man, it, it, you're right. Syracuse, Carolyn, when you get rolling and w- when you're an alumni of a school that's in the tournament, that's all that matters when it's game time. Yeah, well, my niece goes to University of Virginia, so it's not fun to brag about that now. But a few years ago, I, I had them winning just out of out of 
Because out of, out of yeah, I was like, okay, Lexi goes there. I'm choosing Virginia. Never ever, never did anything with my bracket until the very end when I was holding it up, going, "Look at me! I am a sporting genius." Um, but that's but that's March Madness. You can just randomly put put teams in a hat and pick them out, and you just never know. Because I mean, wasn't everyone's bracket busted? You know, game uh, day two this year. I mean, that's pretty standard every year. But now my bracket's you know full of coffee, and I don't actually know where it is at the moment i'm looking for it on the desk but but that's march madness but it's it's really sad that the kids that go to these schools can't go out and celebrate and it's the camaraderie i mean when when virginia won we didn't know where lexi was for two days but you know it's the camaraderie (laughs) it was the fun of it but now it's sort of taken from them i mean it's it's a lot different watching ncaa on tv than it is being there and being in the in the student quarters so i mean i feel for the kids but i mean it's a step in the right direction it is back at least uh, you guys know the drill. We see them. 650-650 is the Dunbar text line. We see all your Canucks in a song. John, oh, Mike, we will get to all your submissions. Keep them coming in. We will discuss what is fair, what is foul. Get your submissions in. I know a lot of people thinking what we've watched this year has been absolutely foul. How do you change it? That's all ahead. Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Shout out to Jono. The lonely end of the rake, a little tragically hip, is how he saw last night's game. Morning, everybody. Gonna be a sunny day. Get up to 11. In fact, I think we're supposed to see sunshine for a couple of days. And the weekend comes. It gets ugly, but next week, uh, second week of spring break for most of the kids should be uh, should be fantastic. Seaball with a couple days away. Carolyn Froelich joining me. Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing these days, we are Sportsnet 650. Uh, let's get to a couple more Canucks in a song. Mike in Barry. Man, he found us some Nickelback. This is how you remind me of Uh. <laughs> Carolyn, it's funny. I triggered. I pulled the Nickelback song a couple weeks ago, and somehow Nickelback has been a theme. I appreciate it, Mike, finding all Nickelback. I mean, is is that true? Does the Canucks? What we saw from the Canucks yesterday is that is that really what they are? Uh, you know, they got good goaltending, not incredible goaltending. They couldn't score because they don't have enough offense yet. I tell you what, you, you take that 5-1-5 game yesterday, and Travis Green said as much. They met, as I like to say, a couple of empty helmet plays. Like, you're stupid in the head. You weren't thinking uh, with their, you know, what, too many men on the ice. Killed him. Couldn't kill off the penalties. And normally that's always the case when you, you take a dumb bench minor like that. But 5-1-5, five five, I'll tell you, I think they squeezed the most they could out of their talent, which tells you something that you're going to have to almost be perfect. But I don't know. Maybe that's what he is getting at with this is how you remind me. I mean, the Canucks put up almost 40 shots on goal. When's the last time we've seen that from the Canucks? And and what is the team? I mean, that that's the question after every game or after every series. This is them, the, the kids that fight, or this is them, the bonehead moves. It's just been so up and down. Do they even have an identity? Is that their identity, that they're a box of chocolates? You don't know what well, you're going to get. 
It certainly took them six weeks to figure out what they were going to do, and that's why they're not getting anywhere. They just dug too big a hole. Uh, Steely Jim with Wither by Dream Theater. So Yeah, you wonder. It just seems like this is a morning. So many people love this team and the emotions that they have gone through. Um, they're just tired of all. You'll get a little bit of a break where the guys are going to go. We wondered where they could travel. Someone said, yeah, guys, they could go up to Whistler right now. I mean, it's a break where normally you see it this long. Guys are heading out home, but that can't be the case. I think they need to go away from the rink, but they went away from the rink. If you saw the post game, and we'll play some of a little bit. I mean, it just, it was a dejected hockey team that knew you had to come up with something in these two games against the Winnipeg Jets. You couldn't fault all the injuries. Give credit to Bo Horvat for playing well and gutting it out last night. And it wasn't a lack of effort, a lack of luck, but sometimes talent brings you a little bit more luck. So it doesn't go. Keep your Canucks in a song coming. We'll get to them as we can. Ian McIntyre will join us at the 8 o'clock hour. But. Uh, well, let's now, dive into a I little mean, bit of – go ahead, Carolyn. Call me a bit of a, a Maui hippie girl. Shouldn't they just go and do the off-season thing where they just go play pond hockey on the top of a mountain, get the joy of playing back? I mean, you said yourself, they they look so dejected. They're making bonehead mistakes, um, and it's not without effort. They're, they're trying. No one tries to make mistakes. No one tries to get my, bench minors. But should they just go somewhere and just be, just get the love of the game back? Because right now it's got to feel like a job that they don't want to go to. Can I just ask you, 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 you dropped a Maui hippie girl. How long did you live in Maui? Total uh, about 21 years. Wow. Grew up there 10 years and just moved back to Vancouver from there three years ago. How different is that lifestyle? Like, I mean, you go there for, it's, it's, you know, when you go for a holiday, it's a holiday, right? And you always yeah. go, oh, I'd love to live here. But you did it. I mean, is it as laid back as someone who goes there for two weeks would think? 100%. I mean, there's no stress. I mean, unless a tourist dams his brakes while a whale is breaching and you're driving down the poly going to Lahaina, that gets a little stressful. But uh, it's, it's, it, was a, it was a great life. But, you know, it was time to come back to Vancouver, and I don't regret a second of it. I miss my friends on Maui, and I miss, you know, the lifestyle. I miss, you know, oh, I have an hour off. I'm just going to go take a dip in the ocean. You just go and you pop in the Pacific, float around, and then you go back to your day. I do miss that. But uh, there's something special about being in Vancouver, man, close to Whistler. And, I mean, this city's beautiful. This city's second to none, man. It is. Uh, well, I think we're second to Hong Kong as far as the most expensive city in the world. So there's that. Uh, well, that makes it difficult. Uh, fair or foul? Uh, let's get into it right now. Send your submissions in. Fair or foul? What is right or wrong? What don't you like about it? We will get to that. Guys, I'll start. Uh, Greg Ballock, are you with us, my friend? Oh, I'm always with you guys. Uh, you Greg. are always. <laughs> uh, fair or foul, guys? Uh, Matthew Kachuk blowing off his little brother before their pregame stretching routine where they usually talk was foul. I'm going foul on that one. I think he did it just because it's the first time they've had that pregame uh, get together with Daryl Sutter behind the bench. So I have a feeling uh, Matthew didn't want to anger his new coach with being a little too buddy buddy with the opponent. 
Yeah, that's probably right. Caroline, fair or foul? I, I think it's fair. You know, all's fair on the ice. You're not brothers on the ice. You're competitors. Blow each other off. And then, you know, sort it out at home when, you know, mom has to separate you when you're giving your little brother a noogie. You know, it's, it's all fair. It's on the ice. You're competitors. You're not brothers. This isn't Philly. There's no brotherly love here. There's no brotherly love. I don't care what your last name is. Yeah, Get her I done. think he did say something. He probably said, Coach wouldn't like this and left. You're probably right. <laughs> Carolyn, what do you got for fair or foul? Well, I'm going to go uh, way off on a, on a tangent. I'm designed to get you guys talking. The NHL should go to an all-three-on-three format on a smaller rink, thereby adding scoring and adding more seats for fans. See, yeah. this just I just love the three-on-three in overtime. Makes me giddy. Or at least go three-on-three for 20 minutes. I know they're going to be gassed, but, you know, this is my dream. Let me have it. What else did you do in Maui? <laughs> I knew it was going to come up. No, no wowie here. Um, just, you know, maybe uh, my, my brain got uh, got a little little warm with the uh, with the hot weather, and this is where my brain is now. Well, I'm going to go but... foul for the, for the <laughs> NHL part of what you said, but I do like the idea of a three-on-three league. I thought there was a three-on-three league coming out, but maybe I guess it was pushed back due to COVID, but I would be really excited to see a three-on-three league with a smaller rink just it's not going to be nhl i don't think well that's a great point balak because you know we've talked on this show when you get into when times were normal and we, we would talk we were getting updates from the beauty league brock besser had mm-hmm. three goals in the beauty league on this wednesday night i do think like we talk about the xfl and what could work with the craziness of nfl fans that if you came up with something of three on three hockey in the summer months in july if you had pros, fringe line pros, you know, minor leaguers playing in it, I do think there's actually an appetite that crazy hockey fans in Canada Absolutely. would go watch it and have some fun. Don't you agree? I think it would be a big I'm- hit. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I remember hanging on to every stat of the Beauty League, and I was following them on Twitter and trying to find updates, and I was thinking, w- w- how has my life become the Beauty League? And I had to Google, what is the Beauty League? And, and, duh, <laughs> Beauty we were just so duh, stu- Beauty Sorry, duh, duh, Beauty yeah. League. I'm sorry, I'm not hip. Um, duh, Beauty League. But I just, I love three-on-three. Three. I mean, do I see it happening in the NHL like I just said? No, I was trying to get you guys talking. But three I on- just love three-on-three three hockey. It makes me giddy as a schoolgirl. <laughs> Month-long three-on-three uh, little fun tournament. Uh, sell tickets. Do it in Kelowna every year where mm-hmm. the NHLers, you'd make some big money. Uh, what do you got for fair or foul, about? Fair or foul. Canucks fans were right to take the Canucks Twitter to task last night for over-celebrating the Nils Hoglander goal to make it 5-1 last night. All caps, we broke the shutout. They heard it from the fans last night. Canucks Twitter did that, did they? Yes. Uh, you know what I You know what I admired with that was when Hoglander scored, it was like, yeah, whatever. He didn't even celebrate. The team no, didn't even celebrate. I like that in a kid. I like that in a kid, right? This guy understands the compete level understands the situation. In fact, I think his shot went off a stick, but he understood it mean it meant absolutely nothing. If he could have buried a couple earlier on, it would have made a big difference. But I love the fact that he didn't celebrate. Yeah, I mean, Canucks Twitter, it's crazy. So, oh, we broke the shutout. Really, that's what you're going to take from the game? Excellent. If, if, you know, if you just want to have a win and that's your win, then go to it, but it's wrong. 
But that's where we are in the Canucks season. Remember you said, oh, well, JT Miller didn't turn it over that much. You don't have to you come know, out and say it, though. We're going, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, I mean, true. I mean, we're, we're at that point where we're just going, well, at least it wasn't a 10-to-1 loss. Oh, at least we weren't shut out. So that's where we are in this season. I mean, I, I respect the players for not celebrating and making it look like they're coming back with a buck 25 left, but... I mean, it, it was nice, but really, does it mean anything? Come on. Come on, uh, Come Tommy, on man. Uh, Tommy, with his fair foul, Jim Benning is the worst Connect GM of all time. Oh, oh come on. A little Tommy, knee jerk, I think. A little, little recency yeah. bias on that one. Yeah, Tommy, that's uh, early this morning. You hate everything to do with the Vancouver Ducks. <laughs> hey, one of the longest serving GMs of all time, as time might be up, but no, I, I, I wouldn't go that Jim Benning is the worst GM of all time. You, you go back when they didn't have a GM and, and bell ringer and like who was running this team for a time. Uh, Tommy, a little bit of a knee jerk. That's foul. I got another one, you uh, guys, if you want me to uh, keep going do down my list. Fair Bring or foul, Zach McEwen should stick to fighting guys his own size. Oh, I like that yesterday. <laughs> I'm not saying he yeah. did poorly in the fight. I'm just saying he might have a little more success and feel a little bit better about himself if he's not fighting guys that are six foot seven. <laughs> I don't know why he picked Stanley to fight, but... Must have said something. I don't know why Howlick picked Stanley to fight later in the game. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I mean, that was that was adorable. I mean, that's the only. I don't want to be patronizing, but wasn't that cute? We and have Stanley's the- face. He was just looking at him like, "Go away, dude! Come on, you're embarrassing yourself." But yeah, we I thought have it was cute. We have three day three dogs in the house. Uh, one is a Great Dane and one is a Pug. That's what that reminded me of last night. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're looking at a Horlack going up. Going really? You're six seven. Uh, I'm not. I'm not doing that in any way, shape, or form. I'll say this about Zach McEwen. I had a lot of expectations. I thought he played really well in some pressure games last year before everything stopped, and I thought he might be able to crack this lineup and be big. He's got a lot of ice time in the last couple of weeks. I thought his hands would have been better, but I, I like a guy who's going to do anything to make this team, and I think he realizes it. But I just don't know if Zach McEwen is, is is making this hockey team, right? Because of the money you have on the bottom six, there's your perfect fit. But then, as we know, there's your problem, money that you've committed to that. But I, I like what he did there for sure, the fact that he he went after it and was going to do what uh, what he could with that. For I mean, what, better from- way to, oh, what better way to rally your team than to get the biggest guy on the other team? I mean, Try something, right? Table saw James Farrafowl connects need to practice scoring goals and counting to five on the break. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, I don't fair. know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Balak, you play a lot of goal. Is it bad luck when you're hitting the post, or is it a lack of skill? What when a player hits the post? It's because the goalie yeah. took away the space. That's 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 why they hit the post. Yeah. <laughs> the nuts. You don't have to cover the post. Why would you cover the post if you're the goalie? We do it on purpose. I think. <laughs> I think there are some times where the you know I'm I, kidding. Pedersen was guilty early on, trying to be perfect, right? He hit the post so much because he was trying to be perfect because his skill and perfectionism, he's looking to go bar down. Well, you have to uh, in the NHL. With yeah. these NHL goalies, you have such a fine space to fit that puck in. You're going bar down most of the time to, to just get a goal. Yeah, no, it was. I, I would say uh, that would be foul. And there's nothing fair about two minor penalties by not counting them in coming over the boards. That was a massive issue. Um, thank you for the fair foul submissions. The songs are still coming in. We'll get to them. But, boy, last night amongst all the hockey, you know, I'm not a big Hollywood guy, but when your local athlete is showing up on TMZ, that's not necessarily a good thing. We'll get into what happened and explain a situation that 
You got to learn from the people. That's all ahead. 744 on a Thursday morning where we're going to see sunshine. At least something's right in this city on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with Jim Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Hope you're having a good morning. Uh, 7.48 on this Thursday at Perry Solkowski. Caroline Frolic uh, joining us this morning on the starting lineup. Yeah, how about the bad boys? You know, everyone lives and dies with the Canucks, but I think we embrace athletes from Vancouver. You want to see that success. And last night, you're looking around the odd time during a break in the Canucks game. Well, what happened here? Uh, take a listen to Vasek Pospisil, uh, a friend of this show, a big ambassador of tennis, Vancouver, loves this. Everyone's proud of what he has accomplished. Uh, here's what happened with Vasek last night in Miami. Very uncharacteristic. Well, there we go. So ball abuse for Vasek Pospisil and having just seen him smash a racket up and get a code violation for his racket. That means he concedes the point and with it concedes the set. Trying to unite the players for an hour and a half. The leader of the ATP. Get him out of here. <laughs> Vasek uh, apologized last night. Uh, he took to Twitter and said, I want to sincerely apologize for my behavior on the court in Miami earlier today. I disrespected the game I love, and for that I am truly sorry. By way of explanation, I felt deeply unnerved during a meeting between players and ATP executives last night. And they underestimated the toll those emotions took on me until I stepped onto the court today. Again, I'm sorry for my on-court behavior and the language I used. You know, he, he smashed up his racket, Caroline, and then uh, it was it was uh, set point, and he just did an underhand serve. He just wasn't into it. He said he disrespected the game. But Vasicus joins us in studio several times over the last couple of years, and off microphone has talked about the battle of trying to get a union together for professional tennis players and not for him he does well he you know it spends a lot he said about 200,000 a year for his team and to travel but for guys who might be the 150th player in the world that can't get by because the big guys have the money and 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 Djokovic is on his side Federer and Nadal aren't and those guys are like companies they're not like players so you can understand two years ago he gets into a conversation you understand the heart and soul he's given this I mean, he apologized what he did was wrong, but this guy, talk about a battle that he's in off the court. It sounds like he's in one right now with everybody. Well, he was bringing, uh, bringing his, uh, his, his off, out-of-work troubles into work with him. Probably didn't, didn't help his cause that he was losing the match, but, I mean, I, I just love that in the most Canadian way he said sorry. He did, and you know what? He said when this all started two years ago, when he went to the U.S. Open, all the people that he says hi to, uh, that work for the ATP, all the executives, it was the cold shoulder. He goes, okay, uh, you know what? Business is business, and they can't look past it. And he goes, man, I couldn't believe the cold shoulder I got. I've realized what I'm in here, so too bad for him. So that's Vasek Pospisil. Pospisil. And then people went at me on Twitter last night when I had retweeted from TMC, Chase Claypool, who along with some friends got into an altercation at a nightclub in California a few weeks ago. Video just coming out. 
Claypool kind of staying away, but, you know, TMZ's good. They can they can focus in. All right, let's get the tight shot of Claypool, and that's where Chase kicks a guy in the head. Mm. Man, you got to live. You got to learn. People love Chase Claypool, but you got to stay away from incidents like that. You got to have better friends around you. That's when you call an Uber and be like, dudes, text me later. That's when you see the first sniff of trouble and you just walk away. I get it. You're sticking up for your buddies. Props on that. Not when you're Chase Claypool and not when everybody has cameras attached to their cell phones. At first, I mean, I was I was on the same way. I'm like, oh, you can't even tell who, who it is. And then, of course, TMZ puts the big arrow, Claypool. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's him. Oh, well, he's just, he's trying to break up the fight. Oh, 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 nope, that's his his foot on someone's head. Okay. So you can't really, I mean, yeah, he was sticking up for his friends, but not when you are an NFL player, not when you're in the public eye. That's when you just got to walk away and your boys have to not let you do that. What kind of, what kind of bros does he have? I was in a situation once with a, a prominent NHL player um, and it just didn't look like it was going to be good. Are you going, oh, man, this this better go. And I was like, hey, let's just walk away. He didn't necessarily think that way. Went, no, no, no. We're, we're just leaving the situation. There's no good that could come of it. Chase Claypool needs to have some friends that just go, no, just go away. And, or, or as tough as it is for him to sit back like he was for the most part and kind of watching it and, and understanding it because when you watch that video, they're not going, there's Bob. It's, hey, Claypool, that's Claypool. As soon as he walks into any place, restaurant, bar, whatever, you know someone's going to go, that's Chase Claypool. And some and if, people are going to probably going to get under your skin and are going to, you know, confront you. It's a tough lesson to learn. But Chase Claypool can't be in situations like that. He's just going to have to walk away. You don't want to be right or wrong. You just you can't be on TMZ. It doesn't have any look for you. There's nothing positive about it. Yeah, not a good look. Not a good look. I mean, that's it. I mean, I there's so many people at fault here. Claypool should have walked away. Could have, should have, could have shoulda woulda you know but his his buddies should not have let it got to this point as well i mean your buddies with chase claypool you got to know that everyone is going to want a piece of him everyone's going to want to pay out everyone's going to want to be famous on tmz for 10 minutes it's 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 unfortunate i mean it could have been worse there could have been a lot of damage done um i'm i guess if there's anything to be happy about if we're taking you know the theme of the show positive spin it's that it did not escalate further but you could even hear people on the tape yelling yo claypool stop dude that's chase claypool make him stop like even, it wasn't even lost on the people granted they were still filming but it's not lost on them that dude you're chase claypool step aside and i don't think anyone would have faulted him if he just would have gotten into an uber and drove away well he's not sticking up for his friends okay good his friends are idiots as someone said to me jake there Simple as that. Uh, we'll get into it. Canucks Communities ahead. Ian McIntyre will join us. We'll get into it. Hey, guess who's back this week, tomorrow? You remember the Vancouver Giants? We'll get into it with their GM. That's it. Final hour of the starting lineup. 7.55 on Sportsnet 650. A cup of joe and the Canuck commute. Of the Vancouver guys, I think there's interest. But I don't think that, as you guys said earlier, any one of those players are necessarily number one in anyone's list. You know, the Pearson thing, it's just awful timing. You know, we'll see where this goes on re-signing in Vancouver. I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical that's going to happen. I, I could be wrong, but I'm skeptical. A five-star morning on the starting lineup.
Uh, this hour of the starting lineup is brought to you by Surrey Honda, 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you will find quality and community. It is the starting lineup, Perry Silkowski, along with Caroline Froelich this morning, filling in for James Zabalski, enjoying a couple days with the kids as spring break continues. Should be a nice day, too. Some sunshine get up to 11 in these parts for the next couple of days, and rain comes in on the weekend. And then if you look at the long term, if you're that kind of person that looks at long-term forecasts, uh, it looks like it'll be a nice week ahead. So the Canucks will be away on a weekend that uh, it'll be dreary, uh, and they will figure everything out. They needed one. They needed one of these games against Winnipeg. Now the task is is monumental. Will they win at a 700% clip? I, I don't think you can have winning percentage around 700. The Montreal Canadiens get into a COVID test and turns their season around because, you know, it, the, the Edmonton Oilers are comfortable now. Like, they've got a spring break that – was unexpected, and they're in the postseason. Uh, the Habs have a better chance of going through without even playing. I'm not convinced, though, Montreal is going to be uh, ripping it up when they come back. That's got to take something out of their hockey team. But we'll get into things with Ian McIntyre in a couple of minutes. First, you heard Elliot Friedman discussing with Tanner Pearson and, and the Canucks being sellers. Bo Horvat was asked that question last night. All right, you've lost. You're going away. You're the captain in this room. And by the way, Gutsy effort from 53. Show up, play hard. You have to do that. It was expected he wouldn't. He played well, but not enough. But he addressed the fact, do you, do you think they're sellers? How does that affect the room right now until you guys get back together? For me, I'm just trying to focus on, you know, the, the team that we have. You know, that's not obviously anybody in the room's job to uh, to figure out what's going to happen. But we want to win with this group that we have here. They're a great group of guys we have. You know, guys that want to win here and and um you know i feel like we've, we've been playing really good hockey as of late it's out of our hands on, on what happens we just got to try to win hockey games uh, caroline that's the standard answer but i'll say this the team is ready for change if it comes and when it comes and it has to come and i think it's easier the second time i will suggest that part of the issue they had this year and why we sit and they go to this break and they are not in a playoff picture and have to go on a miraculous run. Yeah, you can say the goaltending, you can say all that. But let's go back to Quinn Hughes even mentioning, I think it was postgame in Toronto, that, you know, it took a while for us. We lost some key guys. Mentally, this team had never been through it before. And to lose character guys like they did in Tanif, to Foley for the short time that he was there, and, of course, Markstrom, these guys were young and they weren't ready for it. Uh, they are now and prepared that, yeah, it's a business, guys. It's not all fun. And I think they're set to see some different faces when they get back to work, possibly. Oh, well, I mean, and I mean, to go back to Bo Horvat, what we've been hearing on OT when people call in is that he just speaks in cliches. Well, what do you want him to do? Throw his team under the bus? No, that's not a leader. I think he's being a good leader by saying, you know, we we just want to win. You know, he's saying all the right things, but I think that's a good leader. And, you know, him coming coming back last night, I was absolutely dumbfounded seeing him on the ice. I, I, in my mind, I knew he was not going to be playing, but there he was, and he didn't play like he was injured. But, I mean, it, it, to get back to your point, Perry, about, you know, we lost a lot of guys and it was hard for us. You know, it was, what, 16, 17, 18 games in where that came to light. Yeah. And it's also 16, 17, 18 games in. Time to suck it up, guys. Time to play. Time to do your job. You know, we all like working with our friends. But sometimes people move on and you still have to do your job. Yeah, and it took them a while to get around to that. Uh, I, I think that's that was their biggest issue. 
Travis Green has always said, oh, that's a good team over there. Give them some credit. I'll tell you, I thought the Vancouver Canucks, I, they played better than I expected. Especially you're going in, you don't even know if you have your top four center. So I, I didn't give them much of a chance. I like the Winnipeg hockey team. I'm not going to be surprised if somehow, some way, the Winnipeg hockey team is the one that leaves the North Division, that they get on the roll at the right time because they're good enough and they have that depth and if Hellebuck plays like he can, they have everything and just a mentality, I think, that is even keel that could be a difference maker for them. That said, the effort five-on-five five from the Canucks was very good. Doesn't mean much to them when they lose. But Travis Green talked about that second period, like, all right, all, all we can do is play that hard, and it just didn't work out. You know, from that standpoint, the chances created was probably our uh, our best period that we've had against Winnipeg. And yet, uh, sometimes that's the way the game goes. They get two power play goals, and then, then add one five-on-five, five, one uh, off a long shift. Three-minute shift. How do you have a yeah. three-minute shift for Tyler Myers? There's, situations like that when they play up and you know there was a time to clear the puck and they didn't there was an icing in there but this this power play unit stays on the ice too long guys get caught on the ice too long you're over the boards a couple times for two minor penalties those are issues that some people want to point to and go okay that's got to be a little bit on the coach coach can only do too much there are some you have to have a hockey iq and it was missing. And maybe it's missing sometimes for these guys because they're trying too hard. I want to get over the board, said Zach McEwen, to help out. Why Jake Vertanen wanted to get off the ice when his line was having a great shift. And it was like, okay, are you bailing on it here? Like, stay in. There's still something going on there. That mix-up costs them a goal, right? And those situations are mistakes that when you've started as poorly as they have, they are just – they are enlarged to the point where you can't get past it. And that was their case. And I don't know what kind of mindset these guys go into the break with, but I think from a fan base, it's it's kind of defeatist. That's what they said. They're about a 1.1% chance of finding the postseason. It's not going to happen. But do you tell professional athletes that even a 1.1% chance, these guys made it to this point in their careers the the best of the best in their respective sports because they're so competitive so you tell a player you have a 1.1 percent chance you know what they're saying so you're saying there's a chance you think these guys aren't going to just keep giving it all that they can and you're not going to lose for picks I, I i still don't buy into that i think these guys are so uber competitive and i think and i'm i'm with you in the trying too hard category i think that these guys are just trying to do something. One guy is trying to do something. McEwen trying to do something. Jake, I don't know why he was leaving the ice. I mean, that's a question only Jake can answer. But I think that they're just trying too hard. They're putting so much pressure on themselves, which is resulting in these bonehead penalties, all these idiotic bench miners. Um, that being said, you're still professional athletes. you got to get your head around uh, head in the game. But um, it could be a case of everyone's just trying too hard because there still is a chance of so making the playoffs. So you're telling me there's a chance. Craig, I was waiting for you to play that. Thank you. I was leading you to that. Thanks, man. You're in my head. But I think that maybe because they're trying too hard because there is still a slight chance. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, of the games left, uh, if someone said, listen, where do you think the Canucks will be over the final 15 games of the season? If you look at the final 15 games in the North Division, I go, they'll be a top four team. Their effort is there. Uh, they'll get Petey back. They'll be that much better whether Tanner Pearson is here. Mate, whatever moves you make, you're not going to bring this team down. Travis Boyd will be part of this lineup. They'll be a better hockey team over the last 15 games. They just they ran out of games because of that terrible start. So uh, I'm, I'm convinced, and, I was, and that's why last night I said, you know what? 
I wrote these guys off. I didn't think they would win. I didn't think they would put in the effort they did. I didn't think they would be first to the puck like they were in most cases, five on five. I didn't think they would create the opportunities. And granted, they weren't spectacular, but Connor Hellebuck made some timely saves. Guys weren't great around the net. That effort right there showed me that there is a will in that dressing room that they believe they can get it done. Is the task monumental? Yes. Are they going to need breaks? Yeah, they're going to have to have Carey Price be terrible. They're going to have to have some injuries to Montreal. They're going to have to have struggle because, to me, it's only the Montreal Canadiens. It's as simple It's as simple as that. you got Pod Colson, as people have pointed out. He may be around with this hockey team in five weeks' time. That will make them better, but it doesn't make up uh, for where they are. You cannot change the fact that you were so poor for the first uh, couple of weeks, almost a full two months into the season that they will have it. Uh, I mean, I want to see, sorry, I want to see Pod Colson as much as anybody, but is it going to be a case of a little too, too little too late? Well, it is. I I think this team plays really well and say wins 12 or 13 of their last 19. Uh, It's still too little too late. That's the shame. But does that build momentum to people and go, okay, you know, they, they will be okay. They have moved it in the right direction. Uh, We will see. Uh, But I tell you what, their effort last night impressed me. The mental mistakes, it was the demise of them. Guy who hasn't made a mental mistake since he probably three-predated a green probably seven years ago is Ian McIntyre. Well, that would be a physical mistake, and I made plenty of medical mistakes, and or mental mistakes. <laughs> Maybe some medical ones, too. But mental mistakes in my uh, story last night. But luckily, because we're on the West Coast, I was able to send in a correction to the desk in Toronto. They got it first thing this morning before all of us out here woke up, and nobody's the wiser for it. Oh, see, now I want you to share. And here's the rest of the story. What did you put in there that was erroneous? <laughs> yeah, now was we're going to be the wiser. Stat? Was it a stat? Was well, it a stat because it was probably a few people saw it last night. So 7.30 start is really difficult for my deadlines because I've yes. got to file before 11. So normally the game's ending at you know 9.35, 9.40, by the time Zoom is done and I transcribe, it's 10.10, and I've got like 40 minutes to go. So mm-hmm. subtract half an hour from that process. So the only way I could get my story in was to write through the third period. Mm-hmm. And when I'm writing because in the third period because of the setup at our ad hoc press box, I don't write out uh, over the ice. I write back in the seating area with the game on a TV screen. And somehow during the third period when I was madly writing and Andrew Kopp was scoring goals, I lost track of how many he actually had. (laughs) So I I talked about him completing his hat trick and then sort of looked up at the end and somebody else scored for Winnipeg again. I didn't pay enough attention to it. So I had him, I deprived him of a four goal game initially he had only well, a you, weren't, you weren't lying he did have a hat trick that's true exactly i hadn't thought of that see I this is you. far this is far more constructive for me than when it's just james and perry because all they do is is say the negative stuff point out all the well, we, stuff. you know it's it's funny though uh you know i i was the when sportsnet first came on i was the canucks host so i traveled i murph murph took the job when i went another road after the number of times I would do the game, and as we're rapping as a host, and it was different how it was done, right? Back in the day when you bring the player in the tunnel. The number of times in a commercial break, I would just go to the floor record. What was the final score? 
right? Because you're focused on a whole bunch of other things, right? I mean, you're watching the game, but you're also making sure we have that. Are we going there? And it's just that little reminder. Okay, did it end up 4-2? So we'll see that. Hey, you're busy working. Yeah. Um, well, let most, me ask pe- you most this. people have no idea uh, the duress or complications we're under when we're doing this stuff. And I'm not saying anybody should feel yes. sorry for us. we got great jobs. We cover sports. We talk about sports for a living. But um, over the years, a number of times I got emails from people, you know, especially when I was uh, writing for the Vancouver Sun, emails from people pointing out how stupid I was because I said this instead of this. They clearly had no idea that I wrote those those 900 words in in 35 minutes and towards the end because the newspaper deadlines got worse and worse the better technology got the earlier and fewer subscribers we had the earlier for some reason we had to print the papers and you know towards the end I was having 15 minutes to turn around so that would be writing all the way through the game and then you quickly tie a bow on it at, at the end so so people really don't have any idea about no that. we have well, these easiest yeah, they have the easiest job in the world. Everybody's job is <laughs> yeah. easy. Um, listen, I, I I wrote this team off yesterday, and not for the rest of the season. I mean, that's just logical. I just didn't think they would have the effort in them last night. They yeah. did, as we find positives. Uh, do you look and go, you know what? Travis Green has squeezed everything out of the lineup that he has in front of him, and the players have given everything that they can. It's just not enough. Yeah. No, I, I would I would completely agree with that. The team, the team that we've seen in March, and even towards the end of April, when they weren't getting some results in games where they played pretty well, I think that was the team that we're accustomed to seeing the last couple of years, which is why the first three weeks or so of the season was so shocking, because that was the first time we'd seen a Canuck team that that wasn't uh, giving everything it had and and i hesitate to say it was was effort because guys try but uh you uh, it was only in january we could say to about a travis green coach canucks team that well they should have done a lot better than that because even when the team was poor or poorer uh, in earlier years there were a few nights where they lost and you said oh you know they had so much more to give And, and i think that's one of the trademarks of Travis as a coach during his time in Vancouver, and I think I think it's one of the most appealing aspects uh, of of his resume. You know, when other teams uh, are looking at him, is that he does get everything he can uh, out of the team and then some. And this month was a good example of that. And I thought last night they. Uh, Travis said they played their asses off on Monday. I didn't completely agree with them then. But I'd certainly agree with them last night. But you know, other teams are are playing hard as well, and most of the other teams are, are better than Vancouver, and so you get results like they got. Plus, Hellebuck was fantastic. The the too many man penalty were excruciating, and the penalty kill uh, kind of doubled down on that too many man penalties pain because the penalty kill just was not very good. The Canucks, the Canucks got hellebucked. The Canucks they got did. a taste of what Demko does to other teams, playing very, very well, putting shots on net, but not getting the results. Yeah, yeah. And when when you look at uh, the goals that that Winnipeg had, 
Uh, I mean, the last one wasn't great, but you know, they're, they're deflection goals and a rebound goal. And the rebound goal was on the play where Myers is out on the ice for two and a half, two and a half minutes. And when he desperately needed to, to get off, or as I wrote, uh, for sportsnet.ca when he needed oxygen and an IV he instead got this bounce pass from Hamannick that mm-hmm. turned uh, became a turnover and that led to uh, the Shifley rebound goal so it's not like you could look at the game and say well like on on one hand yeah the Canucks got out goal-handed goaltended but on the other hand what more could you expect from Thatcher Demko you know he had, Demko yeah. played great as well and and Winnipeg found a way to, to score those two power play goals. The Canucks power play didn't uh, score anything. And, and they were facing against the way Hellebuck was playing. Once they were behind, it was going to be very difficult. Kind of like the standings that way, too. Ian McIntyre joining us as he does Thursday mornings. Um, everybody texting, sell, sell, sell. It's excellent when you're having a garage sale and, you know, you, your wife says, you know, we got to do a, a run to the dump. Okay. Well, no, no. Rather than have a run to the dump, let's have a garage sale. But people need to be attracted to what you're putting out there. And I'm not, I don't mean to disparage, and I guess I have. But boy, um, you know, yeah. it, it can be great that Sutter is available and Pearson depending on it. But, you know, what GM is looking at this Canucks team going, this this would be a perfect fit right now. So well, you know, Jim Benning wants to sell. Can he do something? Right? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think they'll try to, they'll find a way to do something. But you make a good point. The other, the other thing about, about the garage sale is what if every second house on your road is having a garage sale at the same time? Yeah, exactly. And, and so anyone willing to actually buy uh, has a lot of choices. And I said last night on the post-game show, which just seems like it was a couple of hours ago, actually. We appreciate I, the turnaround. Uh, I, I said that, um, you know, the, the Canucks options uh, under normal circumstances, some of those options would be pretty attractive. You know, uh, uh, an experienced defenseman who can still play or, at the very least, provide really good depth. And, you know, and Ian, uh, normal circumstances meaning what? 82 games and a yeah, salary yeah, yeah. cap that's yeah, not no going to be Yeah, no pandemic flat? and the whole okay. bit. But, the, 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 number one, these aren't normal circumstances. And the, play, the teams that are willing to take on players and another contract, uh, they, they probably have better options than these ones. So these are almost like plan B options. So I, I don't know how much... Benning will be able to get done ahead of time, if anything, because I think, you know, if a team is looking for another center, there's probably going to be a better option available than Brandon Sutter. But then, of course, you know, it's a matter of cost and negotiation, and maybe teams will, teams will circle back. But I think, I think that there will be a couple of things done, but when well, you look around the market, nothing is happening, mm-hmm. right? The, there just has not been player movement. I think there's been five trades involving guys off NHL rosters. And I may be well, a trade, but there's just not right now on the land, when you view the landscape outside of Vancouver, there's nothing to suggest that there's going to be 
you know, a flurry of trades other than tradition and the NHL trade trade deadline and that pressure point that it always bears. I, I wonder this too. Um, as you said, under normal circumstances, but it's not normal. No. So is Jim Benning going to survive because the ownership goes, you know, under normal circumstances, we would have had more games to play. We might have been able to get out of the rut. Under normal circumstances, we would have a little bit of money to correct some problems. I mean, is that against him or for him? Well, I, I think that, I think these are all mitigating circumstances. The question is, uh, do they do they fully explain to the owner's satisfaction how why things have gone the way they've gone? And mm-hmm. and you know, really, for your question, you're going to have to ask Francesco Aquilino. I don't think he's doing interviews, yep. but uh, it, it's it's hard to say. It, it's there's never been a season like this. I hope we're never going to see a season like it again. But the financial uh, restraint, the this historic uh, pressure downward on on the salary cap is that's not changing next year, and it might not change the year after. So it's going to continue to be a very challenging time. For all GMs who, until 12 months ago, uh, had spent their entire managerial lives with the understanding that revenues go up, salaries go up, salary caps go up, and now they're not. And it's a challenging time for, for a lot of GMs. Now, we're talking about a lot of players being moved, of course, but what about the non-players? I mean, I want to circle back to, you know, is, is Jim Benning going to survive? What about Travis Green? We spoke about this earlier in the show and speculating, of course, Travis Green to Seattle could be tasty. Um, would there be less pressure? Now, I'm thinking there would be more pressure on a coach because I think Vegas ruined it for everybody. Hey, if Vegas can make it to the cup final our first year, we can too. Do you see it being a more pressure situation for him if he decides? to leave uh, well I think there's always pressure on a coach no matter what but typically when when you're a first year hire mind you we didn't see that with with Ward in Calgary but when you're a first year hire you you get a little latitude you know you you can afford to fail a little bit uh, initially and I think whoever gets a Seattle job th- there is they're almost uh, Darned if they do and darned if they don't. Because if the team does well, uh, people are still going to say, well, look what Vegas did. So, yeah, the circumstances are so favorable. If the team does poorly, they're going to say, well, how come you didn't do what, what Vegas did? But I think that that uh, Travis, if he's not back in Vancouver and he gets hired by somebody, he's going to be hired for quite a bit more money than what he's made here. He's going to be hired for a multiple number of years. And, yeah, there's always pressure on a coach to win, but I think he's going to have, wherever he goes, he's going to have time to to make his mark. I think there'd be a lot of uh, tasty options for, mm-hmm. for Travis. And the nearer that he gets to free agency, just like with Jacob Markstrom or any player, the nearer you get to free agency, the more likely it is that uh, you're going to leave. And he's, to me, Travis has really been a victim of circumstance here because I think Benning has made it pretty clear that 
he would like to resign him, but uh, doesn't have the authority. The, the owners aren't yeah. spending the money to do that right now. And so uh, Travis was put in a tough spot. And in the end, you know, he's got a lot of confidence in himself as he gets near to being a free agent yeah. uh, and doesn't like what he's hearing. If he's hearing anything from Vancouver, he may just say, you know what, I'm going to wait and see. Yeah, he will have options out there. IMAC, uh, you know, nothing wrong with this. You don't have to call the desk and redo it. It was all perfect. No mistakes to be found. Well, you'll clean it up in the editing before it goes out on the air anyways, right? <laughs> Fix it in post. Yeah. We always do. Thanks, pal. Take care. All right. Have a good day. Uh, Ian McIntyre joining us, talking all things Canucks. Hey, it is weird. It is different for the first time in over a year. The Vancouver Giants will play a hockey game tomorrow night. Been a long time, but we'll catch up with their GM. What's it going to look like? Barkley Parnetta joins us on the other side. It's the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Well, there is uh, your Canucks in a song. Lots of them coming in. Please sign your text, 650-650, as we wrap up about the Vancouver Canucks. What did you make of that 60 minutes? Dreamer? Yeah. Uh, against all odds, if you go old school, it doesn't look good thing for them. Welcome back. Starting lineup, Perry Solkowski, Caroline Frolic. Uh, this hour of the starting lineup is brought to you by Surrey Honda, 152nd, and Fraser Highway, where you will find quality and community uh, we'll get to barkley parnetta shortly a news caroline coming out now that you know the montreal canadians a lot of people wanted okay so they shut it down for a week still no word as to when their schedule resumes but reports coming out now that one of the reasons that one of those positive tests for the canadians was a variant oh. so uh concerns that okay how do we keep control of this thing right now so those reports are just coming out right now that uh, one of the tests that were positive on the Montreal Canadian players, and we're seeing it more and more. This is the first time I think we would see it in pro sports that it was a variant mm. of COVID-19. So concerned as to what they do there. Wait, Aren't you guys see. supposed to be locked down? Come on. Well, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Easy no, to I, say. No, I, I do understand that, though. And I think they've been so good as far as uh, what has gone on with, with being safe, especially in the North Division, man, we, we've seen it in the States and with what, you know, the Dallas Stars had to deal with and how it's gone through so many teams in New Jersey. Um, and you almost thought that, boy, you're proving a point. But what it does bring up in conversation, too, and we had this off the air. So what happens now as far as, OK, uh, what will happen come playoff time? Where will they play these games? You know, you know, a Canadian team will get to a semifinal. But are they going across? Are they playing the American team at home and then the Canadian team gets a neutral site game? I think the NHL, when they started this, thought that hopefully the process would be farther down the road. But as we keep on turning the pages on the calendar, uh, that doesn't appear to be the case. So that is the word there. Uh, they are finally playing hockey in the Western Hockey League. And tomorrow night, the Vancouver Giants will step on the ice in Kamloops and play a game. 
That's got to feel very good for our next guest. He is the general manager of the Vancouver Giants. Barkley, it has been a long time. How are you, my friend? Let's go, as the boys say when they score goals. <laughs> I am fired up, guys. This is going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. Be- before we get into the, the here and now when you're playing, how difficult has it been for you, for your players, to battle through you know the last four months when you know it might be happening, but you didn't know exactly how? Well, it was hard. It was hard to continue. It wasn't hard at first because you keep thinking you're going to play, you're going to play, you're going to play. I think as it dragged on when it got to sort of that six-month mark or longer, it, then it became a harder chore and the kids kids our kids and parents were extremely understanding of what was going on in the world uh they knew it's a pretty big deal obviously so i wasn't getting called from them it was more mental health uh you know kids losing that hope and staff wondering what's going to happen you know we did some zoom calls with a with a clinical counselor that were really helpful and i think we were just engaged with our kids quite a bit whether it was zoom whether it was a hockey pool or a football pool and and we tried to keep it as upbeat and fun and we were completely honest with the boys through the course of the time like we didn't to make up anything we told them what we heard when we heard it so uh it gradually was got better and better because uh, i think that the it was getting closer the once teams started playing in other areas guys were getting antsy and they kind of figured okay here we go what a time to play at this point in their development i mean you can look back 20 years from now and say kids when i played for the giants there was a global pandemic i mean what a time to play yeah, Caroline, it's great to meet you too. I've enjoyed some of the, caught some of your stuff on the air, and I enjoy listening to you. But no, it really is going to be something that we talked about. Where even for us, like you know, we're I'm in the cohort up here in Kamloops. You know, we're staying at the Sandman Signature. We got a great rooms there. We have kitchens. We've got a great sort of recreational room that we're able to. to we have a foosball table or a checks hockey game, a ping pong table, and it, it's it's right now. It's been. Everybody's so excited to play. It's just been a really good, fun experience. Uh, and then once these games start, it's going to get even better. It's going to be tough. We're going to play 24 and 49. So it's going to be a bit of a grind once we get going. But it's going by really fast so far. And, and food's been good. I mean, this is, to be honest, this has really been a, a good experience. And it will be something these kids talk about for the rest of their lives. Bark, how will, how will scouts judge this? Uh, it is going to be so difficult. I know some teams, if you've got European players, some have stayed over there. Uh, you might see teams with some younger players playing. Uh, what will the, ho- the hockey's going to be good, but will it be difficult for scouts to get a read on everything? I don't think it's going to be that difficult for the scouts. I think that, uh, you know, the, the particular draft age group that they're watching, they probably already have compiled the underage list, so it's just going to be more following up, and, and it's going to be crunched into a shorter time for them. I know that uh, I think there's two NHL scouts per team allowed in the building at the event, I believe, that we're at, but, you know, it's pretty tight on how they're doing that. And and I've already had uh, a number of, uh, of, of scouts uh, call me and ask me, you know, what's going on, who's this? Uh, how, how do we get in? But they're excited. They're going to be excited and, and they're ready to go to the scouts or just like the players. They want to get at it. But I think by watching what I've seen in the other divisions, you know, the first weekends, it's, it's euphoria. Guys are the sort of adrenaline's going. Second weekend or second batch, it kind of gets a little sloppy. Then things tighten back up again once the systems get in place. So I, the brand of hockey that I've been watching has been really good in other divisions. So that's fully what I expect out here. So I think full evaluations for these guys, it's not going to be that difficult. 
You got to think these guys are going to be ready to go with all that's happened. Like they just want to play. Now, what kind of challenges have you have you had? I mean, with the NHL, obviously there's TV revenue. Fine. With with the CHL, it's a whole different ball game, so to speak. It, it, I mean, financially, the challenge is immense. This is mm-hmm. this doesn't come cheap. This is coming at an extreme cost. And, and the one thing I have to say, the owners, the governors, I mean, these people made this work in B.C., you know, whether it was Tom Gillardy, Ron Toygo, Graham Lee in Victoria, and, and the, the ownership group up in Prince George, as well as Bruce Hamilton. They made a commitment to make sure these play, these kids play and get seen, and we're able to get some development for them through this course of time. And, and what they've done, I mean, they've bent over to make sure that we're able to do this. With they all, you know, some of the owners own hotels, and, and they've been able to make this work for us. Uh, other challenges are just getting the kids prepared. Uh, it's a, you know, we had eight days to prepare for our first game, more or less, by the time we got out of quarantine and, and the sacrifice the kids made just to quarantine even at, at home and then in the hotel. We've been COVID tested three times now, and and that's going well. So uh, I think we have a slight leg up with Michael Dick and his experience because Michael was with Team Canada, and they went through a very similar situation. So the structure we were able to put in place on the hockey side, I think uh, the planning and, and what went into that as far as preparation I hope that we have a leg up because it was very organized. We've got the guys busy, but it's not too much that it's overwhelming. So it's been, it's been, hasn't been a big, as big a challenge as I would have expected. It's actually gone quite smoothly. Um, who do we look for? Who will lead your team again this year? And I don't know what we're calling it a season. I mean, uh, you know, who do you look for to lead this hockey team? Well, I think, I mean, the first player that comes to mind, Justin, Justin. Sertif, is going to be a kid mm-hmm. that's, and he's dialed in. He uh, he he's matured considerably. It's been you know a year since we've really been around these kids, and you know he's gone from a kid to a guy that was sort of follow not following. He was a bit of a leader, but now he's becoming a leader. And we've got a, a good older group. We have our we actually have our Slovakian here, Marco Sasha, and I'm really interested to see. He played for the World Junior Team in Edmonton, and uh, we were able to keep him here. And he's here. Uh, he's another player to watch. I mean, there's there's so many guys here that are just excited and and like i said it's been a year i don't know what to expect it's going to be interesting to see who's who comes out of the gate and who's going good i mean uh, trent minor returned from colorado where he was actually the starting goaltender in the yeah. ahl and he had a tremendous run there and talk about uh, uh circumstances like covid turned his life uh, as bad as it was into a great opportunity he took advantage of it uh, not only did he get his pilot's license while he was waiting but when he went to the AHL it allowed him the opportunity to play when he never would have been the year before and I think he made a really big impression down there on Craig Billington and, and the whole organization now I'm glad you touched on minor I wanted to talk about him but I also want to talk about this Mazden Leslie kid aside from having a flow that rivals Brock Bessers I mean he's 15 what should we expect from him well, I, I mean, so Mazden is, it, it, you should expect a lot because if you saw him and walked into the rink and were watching, you wouldn't go, you wouldn't have to, you wouldn't be like, there's a 15 year old. He's already uh, leading line rushes and scrimmages here. He's, uh, he's an offensive player that is, he's, my coach is calling him a Colt that's just ready to bust out because he would rather take the reins back, but this kid is pushing the envelope. It's like he's, I don't want to say he's Bowen Byron because I don't want to put those expectations on him, but there's a lot of similarities, not just in his, the way he walks, but the way he pushes the game and, and, and sort of really doesn't play like a 15-year-old. He's hitting, he's 
he's he's been pretty amazing at this camp. We're pretty happy with him so far, and I think that the fans will come to see that you know what we've got another player on the back end here that's going to be exciting to watch for a long time. Uh, Mark, what's the setup? Um, you know, all games in Kamloops. You have the cohort there. Is it is it rank hotel, rank hotel? What are the restrictions on, on your entire organization there? It, it, we actually go to Kelowna six times, but basically we are staying at this. If people are familiar with Kamloops, and if they're not, this might help them. The, 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 the Sandman Signature Hotel is literally across the street. Uh, we're not allowed to interact with public, so we have to be in our hotel. We do have a, a banquet room there, so a common space that we're allowed to be in because we're all in the same cohort. But then we have to walk to the rink in Kamloops for practice and then walk back. We're not going to, we can't go to the store to pick up foods or Starbucks. And uh, then when we go to Kelowna, it's, it's, it's locked down too. We literally go from the hotel to Kamloops rink, get on the bus, go to Kelowna, get off the bus, get out of the, after the game, we got to get back on the bus and we'll eat on the bus on the way back and back to Kamloops. And so then back to the hotel. So we really have three places in the next two months that we can go. It's a hockey rink, the bus and the hotel. And as tough as that sounds, I'm sure everybody there wouldn't want it any other way because finally you get to watch hockey and see what these young players are all about. Am I right? You know what? I was, wasn't sure what to expect, but it's been better than I expected. It's been, it's been so exciting and fantastic. Our morale is super high. And I, I do think, though, that the facilities and, and the hotel we're in is, is really helping with that. It, it's, it's made it easy and it's made it really fun. I mean, it's... I don't, I, mean, I don't even know how to describe it because I really haven't ever experienced anything like this. But, but it's something that I'm not dreading every day. Uh, I'm waking up excited, and I know the kids are excited every time I see them. It's not sort of getting old yet. So, uh, you know, we just want to get through it without a ton of injuries and, and, and move forward, and hopefully things sort of build and, and that morale stays like that, which I don't see why it wouldn't because this has been awesome so far. Hey, it's nice to catch up. So much so we haven't talked for so long. I got a text going, hey, Barkley's requested some roll-up music. I'm just supposed to leave. You got roll-up music now? What have you done No, here? no. I got You're a rock star. But but it's, it's, for, it's, it's for my buddy there, Caroline, and if she hasn't used this on her show, this has got to be her intro song for sure. So think about it if you oh. like it. You know, it's a free one. That's a free one. The next one you're going to have to pay me for. Oh, Barkley, normally I'm a sweet Caroline girl, but you're you're making me branch out. I love it. I love it. Can't wait to get back to the LEC one day, man. Awesome. DJ yep, Pernetta. Nice to catch up with you, Bark. Take care. All right, guys, thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> There's uh, Barkley Pernetta. Excited. Programming music and the Giants play. We're back with more wrapping it up on the starting lineup. is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Getting close to wrapping things up here at 8.50. The Scott Rintoul Show follows us. Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report and the author of Built to Lose. Hmm. Uh, he will join Scotty, Brendan Morrison as usual. Boy, more, a lot to talk about with his connections here and, of course, in Calgary, where it's uh, just a fire there, dumpster fire. And then Bruce Boudreaux will join Scotty at 1130 as well, so some good perspective as to what's going on. Uh, thank you to everybody for all the texts that have come in here. A lot of people enjoying the conversation with Barkley Parnetta. And you know what? This is a good junior hockey town, uh, Caroline, and, you know, you just miss the Giants. You know, when things are normal, 
the price tag for some is too much for the Canucks. You watch them, but to go and watch a, a Bowen Byron play, and now you watch him in Colorado. He's been hurt recently, and you go, oh, I remember that kid, you know, when playing for the Giants, and you watch him grow and adjust and sort of to see where he was going to be drafted and dropped a little farther down than he, he expected. I, I think, you know, good hockey fans want that attachment mm -hmm. to say, you know, I remember him when. Yeah. And it'll be very exciting. A lot of people go, man, I'm going to stream those Giants games. I can't wait to see them play, and they started up tomorrow night. I mean, there's no atmosphere like a Giants game. I, I went to a couple of games, and I didn't know what to expect. I'm driving out, you know, with got my Google Maps out. I didn't know, really know where I was going. But the, the arena, beautiful. People there are so into every second of the game. It was so hard not to get caught up in the excitement. I mean, my husband looked at me. He goes, okay, this is how I picture Canadians watching hockey. And uh, American husband saying that to me. And it's really true. And it's just, it's so sad that there cannot be fans in games at the LEC. But at least the fans are getting, you know, getting a little something with the Giants at least being able to play. It's coming back. But I can't wait to get back to the LEC. Yeah, it's a, it's the family atmosphere, right? And yeah. that's what you find there. And when they went into the playoffs and the place was packed, uh, it, it was kind of everybody embracing what the Vancouver Giants had. Um, embracing the Canucks, good or bad, that's something that everyone does. Thank you for all your text. We'll see. Team will try and get away wherever they can go and make one last run if it is all possible. But more importantly, people are wondering and we'll be waiting and we will follow it on Sportsnet 650. Selling? And who? Questions to be answered. For that, Caroline, thanks for jumping in. It was an awful lot of fun. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. Oh, that was so much fun. I love it. And it's not just the quadruple espresso talking. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Perry. Oh, that doesn't hurt. Scott Rental <laughs> is next. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. You've got it on Sportsnet 650.